Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet again another Dropped Frames episode. We are joined by the dude this week. I got to size up your camera. You're a little bit low right God. now. No, this is this no, is on me. Down here. No, what? Okay, is this a slouch stream? Are we all just this gonna... is good? All right, everyone, just slouch. I have a friend that streams like this, and it's it's, it's amazing. If I stream like, like this, the chat would just be like, "Is streamers back okay?" <laughs> or, yeah, or streamers back prefers this. Or is posture check? Just not <laughs> posture check. Yeah, posture check. Yeah, it's it should have a posture bot along with like H two O bot or whatever the heck that is, is. Is there a posture bot? I know there's an H two O. There's got to be a posture bot somewhere out there. Have they not combined forces yet? And then you got to have a pasta bot. Have you had spaghetti lately? <laughs> That's a good. I like should... this position, Barry. I like, like this that position because people can see where I keep my extra snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I just right, I got that. a little pouch like a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I, I try to hide that as best as possible. The beard just gets longer as the days go by. That's all. Dude, that is. I, like okay, so we're all we're all be bearded, um, on this show. Like uh, last time I shaved, I was watching a uh, a highlight video from my from my stream, and uh, it was shortly after I had shaved. Yeah. And I was like, I don't weigh any less, but man, do I look like I do with a beard? Holy fuck. Yeah. No, that's why beards that are shit, so like, popular is because yeah. uh, men have grown lazy. <laughs> Face shapers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. When was the last time you were clean shaven, Max? Um, Actually, nine months ago to almost the day because I did it for my, my wife when my daughter was born. Oh. My wife really likes me clean shaven and I, I just can't stand it. So yeah, I, I decided to shave on the day. Like I shaved in the hospital. <laughs> so, and I, I could not wait to get some fuzz back on the face, man. It was a problem. Yeah. Wait, did you just use Scared like a chat? Did you get a, a razor from the hospital? So it's just like a one blade, like throwaway oh, razor. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> like I thought, like okay. some yield 1800 stuff, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, something free that they would supply you and then charge you like a hundred dollars. <laughs> and then for. charge you. <laughs> yeah. The hospital way, at least in America. Anyways, let's not talk about uh, healthcare in, in the states. That's not a good topic. Uh, Mr. Max, how you been? What's been going on? It, you're talking um, before the show. This is like your annual visit to the Drop Frames uh, crew. Yeah, I, the last time we were chatting it up was for um, the huge ass releases of uh, 2020, and it was like a big, big talking point was Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is probably one of my most anticipated games ever. Yeah, uh, and funny enough, like Resident Evil which is going to be a big talking point today uh, is easily one of the most anticipated games as well. So the fact that village was harking back to, you know, RE four, which in my opinion is one of the greatest games of all time, like top five, easy. Sure. Uh, was really interesting. And uh, their take on it was really cool. So I'm looking forward to talking with you guys about that, but I'm also looking forward to chatting with you all about um, my current game of the year, which is returnal. Yeah. I heard you said that. And I, uh, I'm curious as to uh, the specifics on that. I finished it finally. I'm looking forward to talking about that as well. Yeah, we, we yeah. talked about it kind of briefly last week, um, but I hadn't finished it at the time. Uh, and Max, uh, our other guest, Max, uh, guest Mexican, uh, hadn't played it at all, and Zeke had not played it at all. Um, so we didn't spend too much time on it. But uh, we'll get to news. We'll talk Returnal. We'll talk Village. I want to talk <clears> to you about Guilty Gear. Uh, we got kind of a, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's a busy week for some reason in the random month of May here in video games. Uh, it's it, it's getting even crazier in June. Like it, I call it June apocalypse because everything's dropping in like the same week. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the first week, right? Like, there's Ratchet and Clank, there's Guilty yeah. Gear, there's uh, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, there's the Integrate stuff. Someone say it. Someone say it. Oh, I know you're you're super excited for Burning Crusade uh, launch, right? For WoW Classic, <laughs> that's the first week <laughs> of June. That's going to be two, man. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's is, also... is, is Shift Two actually coming out? Like the there was yeah, a beta I was seeing people playing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. The, that's full release. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. That is a stacked week. Now that I I didn't even know that. And then uh, the hired gun on June first. I think June tenth is when E three starts. So we go yes, from like and the E three is in the same week. All that stuff is happening. It is fucking ridiculous. It's just like don't sleep, only stream. Yeah. And then uh, we'll get to the end of June, and the, it'll be like nothing. And July will probably be like pretty dead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be our catch up time. It'll be all those games month. we weren't able to play during the first couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the fact that that's all stacked on E3 uh, is going to be a lot, especially a digital E3, right? Where you're going to be able to co stream everything uh, a little bit more easier, I guess, than you have in the past. So, a lot of stuff. Wait, when does Mario Golf come out? Is that also June? I think that's also around the same time. Yeah, oh, I'm looking geez. forward to that like crazy because that's a huge multiplayer game, or at least a local one. Wait, New June World 25th. is coming out then too? Uh, I think that is correct. Like Amazon Games New World? Well, no, that so that releases August 31st, but they might be doing a preview. Okay. Oh no, hey, that's fine, dude. I I would have felt terrible for them if they were releasing around then. Okay. Yeah, I think that would have a preview. Like, like, you're gonna try to dip your toe in that release schedule. After after being away for nine months, that would have been terrible. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. When does Bi is Biomutant the fifth of June then, or is that later? This no, month? Biomutant's end of this month. Yeah. Biomutant's I think twenty fifth of this month. Okay. Yeah. Right. Bio Biomutant and also it's not it's not, there's no solid date yet, but the betas like this weekend. There's also Fantasy Star Online two new Genesis. Yep. yep. And, oh wait. Well. And didn't they push back the Ashes of Creation beta into early June? Yes. Uh, no, they pushed it into late, like mid-June, because <laughs> Blizzard did what Blizzard yeah. always does and put their launch of Burning Crusade literally on the same week that Ashes of Creation was going to launch their alpha. Um, of course. Oh, it's mid-July now. Okay, sorry, mid-July is when that's coming out. Um, yeah, so there, it's we've got we've got some... June seems like it's going to be a pretty crazy month, for sure. Um, oh, and then later, Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, I saw that got like a... Is that a release or an open what what was that there's a demo out on xbox or something like that yeah yeah oh i'm i'm definitely gonna be checking that one out it's it, it, supposedly it's like a um a, a better more tuned code vein yeah so i like i liked code vein i just thought that it was a little uninspired so i'm hoping this is going to be like the inspired version <laughs> we'll yeah. see and then when e3 is happening and dynamico is going to come out on stage and miyazaki and george rr R. martin are like elden ring <laughs> It's out. It's available now. <laughs> oh, excuse me. There. How dare you? Oh, God. It's what, just mean. What What do you know, Max? Are you, are you confirming? Are you the new confirmation figurehead now? Yes. Is it passed uh, on I'm here Keely? to announce to uh, the entire Drop Frames audience, as well as the rest of the world, that I am the Elden Ring. Okay. I just keep getting more Elden and more Elden every single day. It is, uh, it's a vicious ring. <laughs> Vicious That's cycle. my joke. Please laugh. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It'll also be there at uh, E3 2021. You heard it here first. Max confirmed it. Obviously, he made cool. the trailer. Is what I heard. I don't know if you guys yes. heard that, but I think Max just said he made the trailer for Elden Ring. So yes, yeah. Tell everyone. 
let them know. Uh, let's get to some actual news here because uh, there actually was a decent amount. It's more of a topic at the start uh, going along with this news that yesterday, uh, also, before we do this, Co, how do you pronounce the French uh, game producer uh, slash uh, developer company based out of Montreal? Well, how do you pronounce their name? The one? Yes, they make Just Dance, Assassin's Creed, the developers behind all of those games. How do you pronounce it? Uh, hold on. <clears throat> Ubisoft. Max, how do you pronounce it? Ubisoft. <laughs> Zeke? Um, <clears throat> Ubisoft. Zeke is correct. Okay. Well, I learned I heard all about of that. this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this <laughs> this is the thing where under a Tom Clancy game, yes. they put a Ubisoft production. Yes. We had a and very they, long and, conversation and inter- about this. The internet got set on fire because they're like, you put an in front of a valve. That and they were like, me. no. And I was actually one of those people too. Yep. And they were like, no, because the way we pronounce it is not with the valve version. So it is, it is. What, what did they say? It was it was UB. It's, it's Ubisoft. Y O U. Yeah. It's so it's a Ubisoft production. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I think this whole thing was just a, a way to get people to actually pronounce their fucking company's name right for the first time in like twenty years because Could be. the, everyone wait, called wait it minute, something wait else. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do I? I call it Ubisoft. That's what I've always called it. What do you win? Real life. What do I win? Uh, Isn't that a contest? I could put like a sticker on your your nameplate here on the show. If you would like a sticker. Okay. okay. All right. I'll work on that. I'll work on the sticker. <laughs> you got to get a mask of the president of Ubisoft, and it just goes over Zeke's face yeah. for the rest of the stream. Oh, God. I'll just get Eve's face on uh, on Zeke's. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. So now anything that's made out of uh, Ubisoft is now a Ubisoft ori- original. What What's the... Co, what's the slogan or what's the thing? Oh yeah, it's a it's a Ubisoft original. Yeah, which is hilarious because like they, I think they debuted it on a Tom Clancy game, so it's like Tom Clancy's so and so a Ubisoft original, and it's just like they just added to the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a Spike Lee. That joint, sounds like it's that sounds weirdly original. like what it sounds like what Disney does with their stuff, where you know Disney's Aladdin, like and then to to avoid the fact that they don't want people to like rip off like characters that are technically in like free uh not a free market public but domain it, exactly yeah. like public domain stuff so they put like disney's beauty and the beast <clears throat> disney's hunchback and Notre dumb like it really reminds me of that yeah it's it's a little silly my uh, first taste of that was remember the real ghostbusters was the one that you wanted to watch because the ghostbusters was actually like a cartoon a comic from like way back and it had like a, a, a gorilla in it and when i tuned into that for the first time i was really upset <laughs> what i did the real ghostbusters was the one that was like the fully animated one with all the characters from the movie yeah right? yeah yeah, from yeah, the yeah movie, that's from one the, i remember yeah, the ghostbusters everybody knows yeah sorry i'm scrambling for this star uh <laughs> we'll get it here in just a sec we'll have the big reveal i downloaded a transparent png and all it was was just checkerboards in the back it wasn't actually don't you love that <laughs> don't you just like, want to nuke like, whatever website yeah. that is yeah i've actually dmca'd that website for just existing i don't i don't i need some content that they apparently stole <laughs> yeah that's just it's just real dumb like i don't even understand the point like you already did the work why are you trolling me <laughs> exactly it's it's real fucked up it's real fucked up 
Uh, anyways, to go along with this Ubisoft news, uh, they came out yesterday. Uh, and who was it at the company that said this? It was... Uh, oh, it was just... Okay, I'll just read the, the news. It says, the company provided an update on its game development strategy during its full-year earnings call on Tuesday when it said it intends to be less reliant on AAA releases as part of its overall product mix. Uh, the quote was, in line with the evolution of our high-quality lineup that is increasingly diverse, we're moving on from our prior commitment uh, regarding releasing three to four premium AAAs per year, said Ubisoft Chiefs, uh, Chief Financial Officer Frederick Duguay, I guess is how you pronounce that. D-U-G-U-E-T. I think that's Duguay. Um, but essentially, this means they're just going to do a lot of free-to-play games and, and less like AAA giant productions. I think they're still going to do that, but it's kind of a sign of, uh, of the times in a lot of ways. Uh, but also I think a lot of people read that and they're like, well, I, what about my single player games? Right? Like what's, what's going on with that? Um, so it was an interesting point when, um, Jeff Keighley tweeted yesterday. Uh, I thought it was pretty thought provoking in terms of just a conversation um, he said, video games are evolving and changing. Uh, in June, 26% of EA's revenue came from premium game sales. Premium game sales being anything like a $50 or $60 game. Uh, the rest was from live service, DLC, mobile, and microtransactions. Um, and he said, Ubisoft is shifting away from three to four premium AAA titles a year and plans to launch a, quote, high-end free-to-play uh, game. What are your thoughts? What are what are y'all's thoughts? Like, as we as we go into this, is, just, is this where indies start to shine again or continue to shine in a lot of ways with these like full-fledged single player experiences does playstation just like take up the flag and continue doing what they're doing with triple a which, which percentage did they say again it was 20 25 percent 26 percent of ea's entire revenue <clears throat> came from premium game sales so the fifa card packs or, or player packs like that type of stuff is is what's That's accounting for a lot of it yeah for sure yeah um I don't know. To, to to me, it it seems like that's not that's not as much like a nail in the coffin for <clears throat> for single player games as much as it's like a shift of focus. Like maybe that could be a big change for single player games in the future. But single player games already have a ton of all those things you just listed. Like except like mobile versions, they already have tons of microtransactions and um, like digital content that's added to them eventually, which probably accounts for those things. Right. But like I think their current plans going forward i wouldn't i wouldn't assume that they would want to potentially risk like 25% revenue which is which is pretty significant like that's still a that's still like a quarter of what your earnings are um to to like change and just oh we're just going to go to all the other things that are working instead of complementing it i don't know it seems like that to me it's like uh, it probably would be more cementing the fact that okay we need to keep this revenue stream going mm. So it's going to exist. Something else. Yeah, it's going to yeah. exist regardless, even if their focus kind of goes elsewhere, right? Like it'll, yeah, it'll like, always like why be would there. You, why, why would you risk 25% of your revenue, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you, I mean, Co, we, we always talk about, and I think you've always been the one to kind of lead the, the charge uh, with the point of, you know, you look at like Genshin Impact, or even if you go look at what Ubisoft has done with, with Assassin's Creed, where they've thrown all of this MTX, kind of like what Max uh, just mentioned in terms of like the leveling MTX, the gear MTX, the whatever MTX, uh, is this kind of the, the tipping point that, <laughs> that you were warning everyone 
uh, back in the day for you? To some degree. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, at the end of the day, it, a company generally starts with passion and ends with money. So a lot of times a company will start, you know, really caring about the product, caring about the people that are using the product. But the more successful a company gets, the more it will attract people that simply don't care about that and simply want care about the bottom line of the company. And eventually you get to the point where you have a board and the only reason they're there is to get as much profit as they can out of the company. So as we move forward and we see these larger pools and demographics open up that weren't really fully exploited in the past to get that much revenue out, as we see those pools start to open and expand, we're gonna see those same people jump in feet first to, to take advantage of that. So it's the kind of thing where like that's that's just that's where the future is heading, especially when you start looking at the metrics like we did. Uh, what was it last couple shows when we were looking at, how, you know, the differences between mobile gaming profit and regular profit? I mean, there are people who are in these major companies looking at those numbers and drooling. Yeah. And then they're looking back at the board of their existing company going, why aren't we doing this? Why is this not what we're doing? Do you not see how much more money all this other stuff makes? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an inevitable progress, uh, a process that a lot of these companies are going to go through. And, and really, the larger the company, the, the more susceptible they are to that kind of thinking. Yeah. Do you think that we start to get, um, I'm not even sure, like, uh, I guess, I guess the idea of like kind of what Hades did, right? Like they launched, they did this like early access period, but they added to the game over time. Um, do you think we start to see big game companies go that route where they push a game out and it's like the part one, right? It's the walking dead effect where it's like, all right, here's the opening of the game. We'll have a component where you can do other stuff to it. Uh, or play the game continually, but the story aspect is like here's first here's first five hours. We're gonna I have good news for you. this. Yeah, Anthem. You're basically talking about a live service. Yeah, and they yeah. tried they tried that with Anthem and I it am. failed visibly. And then they went back and we and we saw Dragon Age Four was going to be that, and EA was kind of like, maybe we shouldn't do this again. So the the good news is that sometimes there is a limit, and sometimes there's even a limit to the general population. Anthem was a good example of that limit. You have to release with more meat than that. You have to. It doesn't matter how solid your base is or how fun the gameplay is. If if the meat isn't there, your people are going to rebel. It it unfortunately we just saw it happen with Outriders, where it's the kind of thing where instead of them being able to really focus on getting the game going and off the ground, they ran into some tech issues, and all of a sudden, like you know, well, Outriders may be a little bit more than just that. But the point is, is it's the kind of thing where you you. Thankfully, we've seen this not work. Hopefully, we'll continue to see it not work. Um, but I think that a lot of companies are are hopefully taking steps in the right direction to deliver a more complete product and stay away from that kind of thing. We are, of course, going to still see it. We are going to still see it. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to see where it goes. And funny enough, now that I'm thinking about it, Outriders is probably a good example of the opposite because they did make it a big point to say, we are not a live service. We are giving you a full game. And the fact that they even had to do that just shows you how much the environment was angled against that live service style of thinking. Um, unfortunately, again, it fell apart for a myriad of other reasons. Um, but yeah, it, it you know it's it's a good it's a good direction for things to be moving. And now we have games like Resident Evil and everything, where it's kind of like there's barely any microtransactions and a really kind of full experience right out of the box. Yeah, um, and that's great. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing we want to be seeing from these companies. That that's when the gamer kind of wins. Yeah. Yeah. The, the funny thing you mentioned it with like episodic story stuff and you, you largely think of like the destiny likes you know when it comes to that right like square is already doing that with final fantasy 7 remakes big add-on games like they announced that yeah. 
we're completely remaking all of the classic Final Fantasy VII games on mobile, but they're all going to come out episodically. And we still don't know a lot of like what the heck is going on with it, but it quite literally was the answer that everyone was sort of complaining about, that we don't want a new Final Fantasy VII. We wanted a remake of the classic games, like a better looking version of the classic games. And they're like, okay, so here's that. <laughs> here's literally that. That's the both worlds. It's coming out on mobile and it's going to become out in segments over the next like god knows how long like every few months so and, and to, to, to sort of clarify what you were saying about um hades i think hades is kind of a super unique situation because that's a company that aggressively is trying to not get absorbed by the money you know which which <laughs> sure. I, I assume now that they've had such a, a huge success is going to have an impact on what's going to happen going forward with them but at the same time, like everything about that game's development was to keep the team small, to keep the product focused, to not involve investors and things like that as much as possible, to keep it as indie as possible, regardless of how big they got. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's a situation where it's almost an, an inevitability for like every big game or every, every indie company, if you have a big game that eventually happens, unless you just don't want to expand, right? Unless you're like, in like an in and out burger situation and you could expand but we just choose not to like we're just we'll just we're just okay with whatever success we got then it's a stance that i i think will be very welcome and very uh rewarded in the future by devs that come up with big ips like like hades yeah yeah that's a good point um <clears throat> do you think this backfires for ubisoft at all do you think the the gamers unite and rebel or does it not matter because you know things like genshin impact exist where Obviously, the money is there to be spent, and obviously that that style of game is wildly successful, and it's wildly successful for these companies and some of the other games that they're already doing. You know, the MTX and the 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 other aspects of the it's conditioning. Small, yeah, yeah. It's, I guess yeah, a lot the of audience is. is already the e, the EA and the Ubisoft audience, in all honesty, has already been conditioned. Like the people that aren't it's really hyper aware of what's going on, they they've been conditioned for the past ten years. So now they're just going to be doing. What appears to their general fan base is like the same thing, but just potentially things that they might like even more, which is a constantly expanding and updated game, but is free to play, but you don't realize you're spending more money over time on the free to play thing. I think in that situation, it actually makes a lot of their audience even happy. Yeah, you, you might not be wrong about that. Um, in terms of uh, you, you played this, I think more than definitely more than I did. Um, that immortal game that uh, Ubisoft put out was that like a full featured game that had small price. Like, what was the price structure of that game? Was it buy it for sixty bucks and you got everything, or was it buy it? Do you remember how that worked? Which one are we talking? Immortals? Yeah, I've, the the, I've the the like brain the Assassin's Creed adjacent game. Uh, <laughs> once you look it up, I think you'll Phoenix Rising. Sorry, that's the name of it. The one that got oh, renamed. Phoenix Rising. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Phoenix Rising. Yes. Um, I think they just went a, a relatively standard DLC approach. They had a cosmetic system already kind of plugged in. Um, I have not done the DLC yet, but from okay. what I understand, it was it was a relatively straightforward DLC approach where each DLC was adding actual content to the game. They added like another god pantheon, another story, and then like an entire isometric camera change adventure kind of thing. So I, I have not played them, but from what I've heard, they were relatively you know, worthwhile DLC expansions. Gotcha. Okay. I just wonder. And then all the stuff that you could buy was cosmetic, from what I understood as well, outside of like a mountain 
couple things. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of what they've done in, in the majority of their other AAA titles, uh, at least specifically Assassin's Creed. I don't really, I haven't really played any other Ubisoft well, title. And just to mention something about what you said earlier, Ubisoft isn't going anywhere because they're, they're the same as World of Warcraft, where it's like they can only kind of kill themselves. Mm. But even with that, they have so many established franchises now that they have, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's Twitch streamers that have Assassin's Creed tattoos on their body. You know, it's the kind of thing where they, they have so much skin in the game, so to speak, in terms of, of well-known, well-liked franchises that it's, it's kind of a Mario type of thing where, you know, they could, they could release some pretty drastically terrible things and there would still be people playing them just because it's a franchise they really like. True. Now I haven't said anything in a little bit. I just, so I'm just going to throw in some color. <laughs> that's so that's fucking dumb they spelled phoenix like that can i just say that <laughs> phoenix i mean look at the company's name right like it's well i mean there's, there's they don't even know how to pronounce their own like... name let alone these other ones yeah come on <laughs> yeah also zeke can we just forget the word phoenix like in video games can we just like say that word is played out and we're done with it i did that's why i just called it immortals but that didn't stick <laughs> what you gotta do is you gotta connect no connect the f and it's now phoenix rising phoenix rising there you go the best name i wish you were across from me i would high five you i totally high five <laughs> you for that one uh zeke, you give I, him a head pat or something i found your star zeke it took some time <laughs> i had to chrome it myself zeke but here you go your stars arrived. Yay! Is that a Carl's Jr. star? Oh no! Oh, I hope. Oh not. God! I hope not. DMCA. No, <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. It's fine. It's, it just says uh, "great job" on it. That's all. That's yeah. I don't think it says Carl's. <laughs> <Hey. Jr. laughs> it does look kind of like uh, a Carl's Jr. thing, though. So, uh, lawyers, just just send me a DM. You don't need to DMCA me. Just I'm gonna send win me the this first show. two ac- acronyms. What was it? Was it best first to three stars wins the show? I think that's what we said in the contract. All right, early lead. Yeah, yeah. You're already finally after however many years. (laughs) Uh, What else is there? They'll. What do you guys happen to know? Because I don't off the top of my head. They announced that there's some division stuff coming, but that they're expanding it and it's free to play division and also mobile game aspects of the division. I well, think this is, is just lining up directly with what we just heard, right? Yeah. Um, it says Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland is being led by Red Storm Entertainment and is described as a standalone experience that's released on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. No details were revealed on a separate mobile game or on the separate mobile game. So here's the here's the funny thing. It's like some I, I think a lot of even like the division fan base, if not the fan bases of a lot of these games here, that there's like an, a mobile accompaniment, accompaniment version of their game coming along and like maybe a free to play version. And it's kind of like, oh, God, that means, oh, no, it, it kind of is like this soured attitude. I would sacrifice something of, of high value to get that kind of support <laughs> for a fighting game, man. I would like yes develop a mobile version of the fighting game it's easy to play and gives you access to unlock things in the main game yes please give us like expansions and things that allow us to go forward like when, when we talk about all this this crazy stuff that uh like these big games are getting uh, even like a tiny percentage of that i i would give so much for a fighting game to kind of get that yeah and it, it's it's funny how we're, we're mentioning like all this extra stuff is providing revenue for these companies when in fact, because I'm I'm the fighting game guy, I always relate things back to like my favorite genre. Sure, is uh, Street Fighter Five launched in a pretty rough position, 
and it didn't have a lot of the content people were looking for and they literally did the exact the exact same thing that's happening to like what you guys are explaining with outriders and stuff like that in anthem it launched bare bones as holy hell and it took them like honestly three to four years of development to get the game in a state where people kind of like it and now it's in an extremely good state where everyone's like this game's great it took that long though you know to get to that point but the funny thing is the thing that kept it along and this is what was kind of being echoed and what everyone heard and you exactly you were saying it's costume dlc the online microtransactions essentially the revenue that was coming from dlc online was keeping the game afloat while they essentially were expanding and making it what it needed to be so it's it's weird how even even though that happened to that game and it technically worked out because the game bombed at the start and now it's doing relatively well that not a lot of other companies tend to do the same stuff because it's relatively like it's kind of harmless. Like you get a free costume every once in a while, but if you want like, you know, 30 Chun-Li costumes and they're actually selling, forget it, you know, go ahead. Yeah. What, what how does the, uh, like fighting game, uh, I guess the fighting game community and maybe like everyone else that plays the game, that's, those are two separate communities in some way, but how, how are, yeah. how are people responding to like, you know, MTX within street fighter five? Is it generally like, Kind of like what you just said, where everyone's like, great, this is awesome, like, support the game type deal? Well, the costume stuff, which, from what I understand, is really what kept them afloat. Uh, and, and Street Fighter V usually had, when it ever had an expansion, like a purchasable expansion. They have a really weird system where they have, like, an in-game currency that is that is, like, fight money that you can essentially play the game, get rewarded for fight money, but only, like, a specific amount to buy new characters if you wanted. So theoretically, and I never did this just because I didn't want to grind fight money, you could buy just the core game itself and unlock all the characters that were available in the future, like huh. the 2016 version. I'm not too sure how exactly that worked out because to me, it's like, oh, screw that. I'm just buying the expansion. Um, but at the same time, like I, I knew, I know, and I've heard for years from the inside, like as far as how the game was actually supported, the thing that really kept it afloat to even, you know, get to the point that it's at was costume DLC. And for the sake of for the sake of people that are playing the game, I mean, that has to be doing well. It's it's a joke, right? It's an absolute meme that, you know, Chun-Li and Ryu, Chun-Li especially has like 30 costumes or something like that. <laughs> um, and the only reason that exists is because people are eating it up. People are yeah. just buying every single one. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I had not even really considered that component when it comes to like fighting games because in a lot of ways there there is some parallels to like the MOBA world right when it comes to like skins and whatnot for all the characters um sure and like the i think the mobile world like i understand what that perception is uh somewhat from, from a community side of things like when a skin comes out people are like oh this is great i'm gonna buy it right so it sounds like that's kind of uh somewhat true as well uh when it comes to the fighting game uh world what about someone like uh, to, we'll push the fighting game uh, conversation a little bit more? Is everyone ready for whatever Riot's doing? Are they amped? Like, is, is that the uh, not necessarily the holy grail, but is that like the where everyone's eyes are right now, just to see what Riot is doing with their thing? Like, where where does that where is that? Well, what what is the community thought on everything? I think I think a larger like hardcore. Um, so everyone's everyone's we're talking about riots game like potentially league of fighters right yeah yeah uh whatever that's going to be called um the the biggest awareness we have of it is that it is going to be uh 
uh, going into like a beta phase of some kind, but not public. Like they are testing the game. So everyone, like almost everyone in the FGC heard about this and they're like, hey, I, I have this wonderful background. Let me go play your game. So it seemed like it was causing a big hubuckus and a lot of people were super into it. Um, however, I think I heard something that when they were looking for people for this beta, they weren't looking for established or essentially proficient fighting game players. They're looking for people that aren't great at fighting games. Sure. So clearly, I mean, they're trying to expand and make the game accessible in some ways to to make sure that, okay, the notes we're trying to hit, they're being hit. Um, but at the same time, even the devs are like, thank you for your interest in a, in a beta, right? Or in, in, in this beta, but we are, we're not really looking for like applications or anything like that. And even, even mentioning, we're not going to have anything really to show until next year. Wait, we're so, talking about, we're talking about League of Legends Valorant Riot? Yeah. Yeah. They've been, uh, they're making Project a League L of Legends or whatever fighting game. No, no, no. I just, I just mean that it sounds super strange that they would have like League of Legends, like the height of com of competition for for MOBAs. Then they have Valorant, which is like becoming another standard for competitive FPS. And then they would go like a more casual route with the fighting game, which is which is hyper competitive well, anyway. I I thought I honestly think it's kind of a a, two sides a, of that a good coin. thing that the the first tests are just like anybody, right? Just not not just like established players like is the game fun <laughs> like do the characters move and feel okay like things like that because th these devs have a history and it's not even a big dev team they've made one game before uh and th that team was relatively small it was a game called rising thunder and it was essentially a free-to-play or it is technically free-to-play now like robot fighting game that came out in like 2016 right so the, the biggest thing these devs are really known for is the fact that they created um, GGPO, a.k.a. Rollback Netcode, the thing we'll probably be talking about eventually with Guilty Gear Strive, which allows you to play fighting games online with no input delay or an extremely minimal amount of input delay for your entire experience. Uh, and it's revolutionary. And it's it's a thing that's been around since the mid-2000s, right? It's been, it's been around forever. Those guys that created that are making uh, League of Fighters. So everyone's like, oh, man, the netcode guys are on this. It's going to be amazing. But at the same time, it's like, I've been hearing about this game for ever since the Rising Thunder crew got bought out by, by Riot. And that was like in late 2016, early 2017. So they've been working on this game for a while. Years. And yeah. I've heard it change from it being a team game to a one-on-one -on -one game to back to a team game to something else like it's gone it seemingly has gone through many iterations and a lot of the people that i was aware that were working on it are have stopped working on it and they're not even working on the project anymore and all we've seen is like probably less than a hundred frames of what the game actually looks like you know huh so it still huh. has a long way to go and they're just testing it at a very early phase right now like like super alpha um so I don't know. It's to me, it's like it's hard for me to get excited about this because I, I just want it to eventually come out. Like I hope it comes out. I know a lot of the dudes that are working on that game, and I and I think they can make something completely awesome. But Riot is like a very unique kind of developer to work for, and sure. it will be a game that sort of takes everyone by storm. I just hope it's fun, man. I hope it's not like characters have two 
that have four attacks and they have two special moves enjoy <laughs> and one ultimate and then hey, and they now, have an now, ult. now listen now listen some of the best times fighting game style that i've had in the last decade was with dive kick that has two buttons like so don't true don't knock it it's true but di- dive kick has a, a crazy amount of technical depth when you think when you actually boil it down because dive kick ended up being like how many characters that are crazy and different it's true so i i I don't don't know uh like a video of that and how like actually competitive it is yes and how how like in depth you can get with just two buttons and i remember playing that with my brother and my dad like my dad who never plays any video games whooped my ass because just because because we both like you know we're just trying to Press just the buttons buttons. and out, yeah, out. You know, I'll play the other one. But funny, yeah. funny history story. Dive kick was actually invented and designed by uh, um, a developer who is a, a huge fighting game aficionado turned fighting game developer that also ended up after dive kick making Killer Instinct. Right. He he was a lead character designer uh, on how the characters play on on Ki and uh, dude's name is Adam Keats and he. Uh, pretty much fabricated through like scripting i remember testing his testing a couple of his characters early on in ki season two's dev cycle because i was working on story mode of the game and he was like i you change the way jago the main character works through scripting to make shadow jago and it was great it was like man this is awesome so he clearly like understood how to make something you know really fun and have a lot of options just through like a limited amount of stuff that you can technically have on your plate so that's that's what I honestly hope for League of Fighters. I hope the character, I hope the game is simple enough to, to be accessible, but also has an interesting amount of crazy stuff that they can do. Yeah, yeah. The, right. I think we're due for another one. Another dive. For another dive. Another dive kick with with more like, just like the new mean characters. Like <laughs> I, I just I, I would be excited to see like who actually gets in there. Like, streamer dive the, kick. Streamer dive kick. Yeah, yeah that's like streamer YouTuber like. What is yeah. Iron Galaxy even I'd working on? I'd love to right see now? that. I don't I what are they I don't know, man. The, they the just fact hired that Iron Galaxy other... isn't working on another killer instinct is what hurts my soul. Yeah, like we we've had Dave Lang on the show before. I I don't know what they're working on. Because they also just hired, I think, the former community manager from Bungie. I think Deej is, really? just got hired there like this past you Go week. to their front page and the first thing you see is Killer Instinct season two and three. And and yep. that's about it. K- oh, KI know. is well they the Iron Galaxy has been historically um a really big port house like they'll do things that you don't realize that they do like they port a version of Borderlands 3 to you know this specific system and they, they don't really their name isn't like slattered over the front of it um but in terms of like an actual like full game development that they have made that was that was KI season 2 and beyond so i think it's their big like crowd is like hey this wasn't we didn't didn't like you know we're not the programming and technical wizards that are able to put just your thing on everything we also do our own original stuff too and this was their that was their creation in tandem with microsoft you know right yeah yeah i i, I need to we should get dave on see what the fuck they're doing because <laughs> yes. i I've if heard... i'm not here <laughs> talk about ki in some way please yeah yeah i i they've been kind of they've been hiring a lot i just don't know what the fuck they're making uh so maybe that'll come out here pretty soon whatever it is they're making uh what else jumping back in kind of the the grand uh news world uh zeke you got lucky 
with your PS5 because that shortage is expected to last I all the way that. into yeah. 2022. Um, yeah, man. Where was the quote? Uh, so they said, um, I don't think demand is calming down this year. And even if we secure a lot more devices and produce uh, many more units of the PlayStation 5 next year, our supply wouldn't be able to catch up with the demand. Uh, Hiroki Totoki uh, is the one that said that. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's just going to be harder. <laughs> is that how long it's going to take for them to redesign the system to not have the things that are completely missing? I, I don't. I feel like you have to. My, my understanding of the the rare precious metals is that you just have to have them uh like there's no way to get around that in a lot of ways um because even like the car industry right now is just assembly lines are like finishing cars and not able to put the chipsets into the car and so they're just putting them off to the side and like they're not able to ship out cars um the automotive industry is being hit by that as well just like the you know the tech industry in terms of gpus and all that stuff is also being hit it's uh it'll continue to be a problem i think for a couple of i mean apparently in 2022 at least for the ps5 right like it's only going to get worse for a lot of that um, and dude like I, I just to let you know like how <laughs> how much of a struggle it was like i have you know moderate amount of reach as far as like having my voice heard on by saying things on this show or on twitter or on my own stream or whatever mm -hmm. um and it took a long time like it took months and months and months of like I was asking my like rep company. I was asking like anybody. Uh, eventually, a couple people were like, "I got a line on a PS5," and I'm like, "Okay." And it just took like some back and forth. Like, I had to like pull all the like the uh, clout that I had to get it. And Jesus, it's rough out there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty tough. Um... Kind of crazy, you know. We always talk about the PS5s when we talk about this stuff. I I had no idea, but Xbox is in the exact same boat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I thought that the the Series X's and stuff were like at least obtainable, but it looks like they are also in the exact same boat due to all the shortages and stuff. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's all over the place. Yeah, I, I think I saw, I don't know who it was on Twitter, but someone said they bought a Tesla, paid for it in full in January, and they're not getting it till uh, sometime this summer slash maybe early fall because of all the chip shortages. So. It seems like it's just affecting a whole bunch of people. Uh, it sucks that most of that has to do with tech, right? So that's my new. Trophy. Here's an interesting. Yeah, you got the the Eve trophy. <laughs> He's got the Eve's. <laughs> here's here's a uh, an interesting thought I had when I was playing Returnal. Because there's a lot of people on the channel like, I would love to play this game. I can't. Yep. I'd love to actually pay the weirdly adequate like almost six to seven hundred dollars it would take to play something like this i can't um and it leads me to like this process where it's like if people just can't get your product like number one you have to start thinking of the first party things that are only available on that product of where what else do we do with them because now it's not an issue of um the demand isn't high enough you know for this new console that's expensive no the problem is everybody wants it and you just can't produce this. So what happens to your first party games where not enough people can technically suffice what you need to meet sales wise because you just don't have enough systems available. And that's where I think a lot of Sony's efforts are ramping around to PC versions of their games. Because especially with what's going on right now, that seems like that might be more of an appropriate time 
to do this sure. than ever. And that might be why that's actually happening, because they were sort of assuming that this production thing might cause a big problem with PS5 exclusive games. So what do we do with our exclusives if we can't technically sell more just because we can't get more systems out? PC versions. Yeah. That's great not only that, but they are not capitalizing on the releases. They're not capitalizing on the hype. They are literally losing so much money in terms of sales, in terms of promotion that they're spending. Every dollar they spend towards all the PR and stuff is becoming less effective. Like if you add up all of the combined effects of the fact that that, that these companies are unable to sell, like you know, up 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 to what what people want to buy, essentially. Yeah. Like that shortage is is the shortage that every single other project associated with it is is held up by. It's wild, man. Like it's crazy to think how much better Returnal would be doing. You're, we're all going to be looking at sales numbers, and all the big companies are going to be looking at sales numbers, and they're going to be looking at Returnal, and it's going to be like, could that have sold? 10% higher, 20, 30, 40, 50% higher if everyone who wanted to buy it could have bought could it. Could have an actual we'll PS5, know. yeah. And I mean, it must be so frustrating as the developers to be like, to pour their heart and souls into these projects and then just know that it's like their metrics are going to be completely hamstrung because of the lack of availability of the console. Awesome. And what, what is the answer to that whole problem? PC versions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It also makes well, you wonder... I, like... For a lot of people. We also have to remember there's a lot of people that don't have PCs that would have a PS5. So it's like those people sure. are just stuck. They're just stuck. Um, PC version yeah. would help, but I mean, there's there's still going to be a massive, massive amount of people that just would have bought it that that can't. Yeah, it it makes me wonder, like phone versions. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Phone versions. <laughs> oh God, yeah. let's not go that direction, please. <laughs> it makes me wonder if that game was priced the way it was because of how many people were able to actually buy it, and so they were like, we got to recoup our investment in a lot of ways um with that said i i will kind of contradict my statements someone in chat made a great point um this was back this was uh in april uh so like april 28th so three weeks ago two weeks ago uh the playstation 5 has sold 7.8 million units in its first fiscal year on sale ending march 31st 2021 um it sold more than the PS4 did with 7.6 million units uh, in the same period uh, during its launch. So, like, the, it sold more than a PS4 does did, right? It's an interesting stat to think about, like, how much more would imagine it have how sold. much more it yeah. would have sold than a PS4 if people could actually just go out and get one. Totally. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if that's the trick. So, exactly like you what you were saying, Max, about pc versions i wonder if the trick is whenever your console is having shortages you always have a version of the game playable in the previous gen even mm. if it's not as pretty even if it's not as good you just assume that everything you release keep it the same price and that we're not losing money but it's just anyone buys the ps5 version they get a version that runs in the ps4 you want the ps4 yeah. version you buy the ps5 version um and that way it's like everyone can get a ps4 right now that's not the problem um that's so i, I mean that for, would be a better way for to the ex for the exclusive games, though, that is so much extra work because a lot of these native PlayStation 5 titles like really are designed around crazy oh. SSD utility and the architecture of the system. Yeah. Uh, to the point where if you wanted to just get Demon Souls or Returnal, because there's not many exclusives on PS5, funny enough, that are actually PS5 exclusive. If you wanted a Demon Souls slash Returnal on PlayStation 4 or PS4 Pro, uh, that it's 
you'd, you'd probably have to delay the game like way more, like way more to accompany it, you know? Well, and, and you also, know, like, it's kind of funny. redesign I, the way I the game back, works. I take back everything I just said because I just realized that's what Cyberpunk tried to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I was going to say, say that, but I. <laughs> I, I did. I would think you would yeah, have taken that into consideration. I, I, you know, the knife I was slowly could. going into his back. He's like, "Ow, <laughs> ow!" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess the only the only way that 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 what I'm saying could work is if there was a fundamental decision from the beginning to yeah. dual platform the project. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, then at that point, you're you're pipelining it from the very inception. I but, think right no. now, or as soon as they saw this, like on the horizon, this is where they're like, okay, yo, so here's the thing. If only if we're only going to have 8 million units of the system out, then we're not going to sell 8 million copies of the game just because not everyone's going to buy the game. We need to uh, do something about this because we are planning on selling this much considering the budget and we literally cannot. So what do we do? Like we have to, okay, so we need a PS4 version and a PS4 pro version Gotta make sure it's previous gen accessible Gotta make a PC version, right? This is where a lot of those decisions are happening right now for, for the sake of PlayStation five exclusives. And I think we're not going to see it until a bit down the line, you know? Yeah. Um, I was curious. I'm trying to see if like numbers are out there for the amount of uh, units returnal sold. That stuff's all digital, so it's a little bit rough to track. Unless... I think the only thing that popped up is that it was popping up like number one in sales for yeah. the month. Yeah, but that's what I'm getting. It's as well. one of the only PlayStation Five exclusives there is, so of course it is. Also, I would not be surprised if they're playing that close to the chest because yeah. they, the last thing they probably want to do is like put a big spotlight on the fact that their their flagship titles are not selling well, not because they aren't liked or well received, but because they again it goes back to what we've been talking about. Yeah. So I yeah. That would that's not very surprising that we can't find like exact numbers there. That's I wonder true. if we'd be surprised if we did. Yeah, there's, Chad- there's a funny thing that I want to I want to bring up too when we eventually get into like the Returnal discussion. Yeah. And it's like interesting issues that Returnal has, if not this situation we're talking about right now that is completely solved by an Xbox. Like there's there's some things related to Returnal oh, and these oh, situations yeah. okay, that are sure. pissing people off. Sure, yeah. And right now where it's like Xbox is like, yeah, our library, our family, games are on everything. Like you could just do it this thing here, it's right there, go ahead. And what but once again, Sony is sort of backed into this corner where it's like crap. We didn't crap, do that thing. <laughs> crap. So we'll, 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 I, I would love once we get into the Returnal conversation, I think it's really funny how Xbox solves like so many problems uh, and they already have. Yeah, they they definitely kind of saw the writing on the wall in a lot of ways with that stuff. A um, little bit more news. We'll probably take a break, then we'll come back and, and talk, jump into the Returnal discussion. Uh, Zeke, we could bring you into the discussion here. The Yakuza okay. series is out there making some two big things. Uh, the first one, uh, that the Yakuza series will remain a turn-based RPG series going forward, uh, just like 7 was. Um, so they're getting away from, you know, the old and, and bringing in more of the new new, which as someone who played seven and only has played zero in terms of the older games, I much preferred seven. It definitely kept me along uh, and around in the game longer um, for you guys as, as two longtime fans uh, of the game or I guess who has played almost every single aspect of that game. Is that fine? Like, are you guys OK with that? Totally on board. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. OK, easy. That's easy. Cool, yeah. Here, here's. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Now, like, what's what's great is they've introduced an entire new cast of characters in a turn-based environment. Mm. So they they kind of rebooted in a lot of ways that that 
turn-based environment is now with those characters in that world. Um, also, now that it's been a little bit later, uh, and Zeke, I don't know if you beat that dungeon that we talked about, but hopefully you saw that end scene because it was incredible with our with our boy Kiryu. Um, anyway, oh yeah, anyway, yeah, moving yeah. on. What's also great is, and I'm and I'm I'm assuming you're going to talk about the second big announcement, JP. Yeah, yeah. The second bit of news leads into the idea that uh, Judgment is going to take Lost Judgment, I should say, will take kind of that old school Yakuza experience, and that's where that's going into that exactly uh, so yeah. they basically kind of passed the mantle between the two so now we have like the old very well established very repeated mantra of the normal yakuza franchise is now going this new interesting direction and they now have this other little section that is kind of taking up that mantle of you know action combat uh you know it has its own cast of characters so it's kind of a something for everyone kind of deal um, not only that, though, the Lost Judgment thing, I, I was very hesitant to watch it due to spoilers, but I ended up watching it anyway. It's looking cool. Uh, a lot of our favorite cast members are back for the the uh, U.S. version. I mean, the story looks interesting and fun. Like, uh, apparently, I didn't watch the gameplay stuff, but there's a ton of mini games and stuff in the new one as well. So, yeah, man, it's it's a good time to be a, a Ryu Kagutoku fan, for sure. Yeah. I think it would be uh, very strange if they didn't continue uh, the turn-based thing that they started, because it's, it's because it's in the mind of Kasuka, right? The main character of like a dragon seven or Yakuza seven, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, it would, it, it, it wouldn't be right. Like, I don't think if, if they switched up the mechanics uh, of how he sees the world and how he views like, uh, you know, <laughs> battles and uh, so to speak. Uh, and also, you know, I think that's absolutely correct. Judgment is, is going to be there for you if you need like a little bit of the the taste of the older style or the, you want the that classic previous style. Yeah. 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 But for me, like I honestly I loved all the Yakuza games, but the uh the fighting was was only a uh, a means for me to try out all the heat moves and like I've said this before, like all the special, you know, finishers that that cure you had. That's all I really ever cared about when it came to the fighting uh, portions. What kept me interested in the Yakuza games were the was the story and the relationships that got built and, and that kind of stuff. But with this new style, like it, I jibe way more with turn based anyway. So like all everything you do is a heat move, and the story is still like very very solid. So yeah, I'm super excited for what what comes, especially hearing that it's you know going to remain JRPG style. Yeah. Max, where, also, there's where, so much more range with the new Yakuza cast, like the the amount that they can kind of grow and change. And we, I mean, we we it took it took a solid six to seven games to tell Kiryu's story, and I'm glad I'm glad they stuck with it that long. But it's so clear from Like a Dragon that they've really learned like how to tell a story. And now that they have characters that have this much kind of broader palette to work with, it it's definitely something special. Yeah, for sure. Max, where are you at in the uh, Yakuza fandom? Are you right there on top with these two? Because trust me, I've I've so, had about probably sixty hours of Yakuza talk crammed in my brain, and I haven't played the game. So, really? <laughs> I've wow. heard um, a lot about it. Not not to dismiss anything you're about to say. I have a lot. I have a I have friends. I have a chat room. I have um, so many influencing tales that try to get me to to play these games, and I've tried. Yeah. And I've seen them played in front of me, and it's just it seems like. It seems nice, but I just can't get into it. Like to me, Yakuza <gasps> always felt like the natural evolution of what I have a Shenmue, friend. 
was kind of supposed to be. It's a more interesting version of like Shenmue. What I really know about the latest Yakuza is that they went they went RPG style instead of like brawler style. Like they've always been kind of like very elaborate versions of virtual fighter meets uh, a beat em up. Hmm. So huh. what they did with the latest one, since it was an RPG, is that they stuck Virtual Fighter Five Final Showdown on the main menu. If you wanted to have a game where you could still beat things up with like really top tier Sega character design and combat, even though the game is like 13, 14 years old, uh, they put the full game into the game, like right at the start. And I thought that was really, I was like interesting because it had been in the game in the past, but instead of like, oh, we know maybe you missed some combat stuff. Here you go. It's, it's like right here. Yeah. Yeah. I think I actually played that. We I had like an hour long demo on the, the Series X and I think I spent like 20 minutes playing virtual fighter. <laughs> yeah. GF5 is some yeah. primo, like, like Sega combat stuff because everything, everything in Yakuza is just sort of like embedded into what Sega established since like 1994 with virtual fighter. Like a lot of that stuff is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking on lost judgment real quick was uh, for Cohen Zeke was, was judgment like, was it a darker game? in terms of context and, and tone and like subject matter. Cause that trailer, I don't know if you guys watched it with audio, but like it seemed kind of intense or is that just the Yakuza stuff where it's like, this is intense. And then later you're going to be wearing a diaper, right? Like <laughs> judgment is, is still silly and it's got, it's got that Ryu Gagotoku style of kind of like irony and, and jokes every so often. But um, judgment is a, is a little bit more somber. You play an okay. investigator who is a really smart dude um so it's 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 and, it, and, and you, instead of kind of like being the iconic lawbreaker of being the yakuza head guy you're basically playing like you know a detective you're you're trying to you know you you work in with like lawyers and you're yeah it's it's, it's a different it's a different feel it's a different feel okay so i would say that it, it's a it's a different perspective on the same world so you still have a lot of that ridiculous stuff that happens but the the, the lens at which you view it is a little bit more realistic in terms of like law and and things of that nature so yeah i mean i especially after watching the the lost judgment thing like dude that there there was definitely a couple intense parts in that for sure yeah it's Um, dark as hell yeah it's 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 pretty different it's pretty different but at the same time it has a lot of that root similarity yeah um you you know you're playing a a yakuza style game like instantly and, and throughout it but it's it's a it's a fun journey yeah sure um i should have i'm with uh uh uh, reginald did you say that reggie uh i hope there's more detective stuff but detective stuff and super sleuthing in the new judgment i do too i really do i i i love that that aspect of it um and i'm full agreement i hope there's more you know i love puzzles i love mysteries one that one thing more shit to figure out uh, I should have thrown this in with the Ubisoft news at the beginning, but they have, I thought this game was canceled. So they have once again, delayed skull and bones. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't like, yo, we saw that at like what E3 2018. It might've been 17, nope. but you might, it's been a while, right? It's been like, a long time. Like, like way before sea of thieves. Yes. Was even like, we saw any gameplay of that. I remember seeing skull and bones. Part of me wonders how much they like looked at Sea of Thieves and they're like, they took our okay, game. This sucks. They fucking took <laughs> like, our game. Like we do the whole thing. <laughs> we got we got to go back to the drawing board. That's literally our game. And look at their water tech. It's so much better than ours. We can't. We got to just delay it. 
so yeah it did have a more like hyper realistic assassin's creed visual look to it right oh, yeah. I, at least that's what i remember yeah totally it, it was uh it was not like the i guess cartoony is the word that i'll apply here it, it didn't have that like uh animated fortnite feel look. yeah fortnite, say fortnite feel. look there you go that's a good that's actually a very apt way to, to describe it didn't have that fortnite feel that uh <laughs> see Thieves that's does. on the chances of it coming back and looking like that you know you're right yeah or ex- more accessible well hey uh you know i can't think of a better way to uh throw into the free-to-play world of releasing releasing skull and bones having it be free to play and then putting a bunch of skins in there for your ship that makes a lot well, of sense yeah we were uh we were talking about this on my channel yesterday when the when the skull and bone stuff came out first of all real quick little little note this came out uh, 11 hours ago yakuza 7 the most successful title in the franchise worldwide i saw that yeah kind of interesting Damn. pretty cool so well um no, so no wonder they're keeping it turn-based huh but on <laughs> that note with skull and bones we were talking about this uh i think today or yesterday if skull and bones comes out and it's not something really really good like that that is going to be a hilarious situation on the flip side if skull and bones comes out and it's actually like that black flag revival that a lot of people thought when they first saw it like that could be really cool especially if they are able to put it at a good price point and it's something fun to play but it's like if they've delayed it this much and this long and then they release something that's half-assed which very well could happen I mean, we don't know why the product's been troubled um oh man that is going to be a black eye uh for sure no question yeah yeah that'll be super unfortunate um they put out a bunch of like statements around it uh who who was the one saying this i think it might have been the same guy that said the stuff about free to play uh the quote is our teams at ubisoft uh singapore are fully committed to launching the game as well as supporting it for many years to come uh while our game won't be at or won't be present at uh ubisoft or sorry ubisoft ford on september 10th they already put a date out for a september <laughs> okay uh we're currently working on plans to present skull and bones sometime in the future it'll be worth the wait so they're not going to show this thing four months from now. They're already getting out there and saying that, which is kind of kind of ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, so Skull, Skull and Bo- Bones fans, let's wait a little bit longer, maybe. It's now, oh yeah, the, the sub-headline of this, the open world pirate game has now been delayed in four consecutive years. That's a lot. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. What's the most delayed game of all time? Shin Star Nuke- Citizen. Mm. That's still not Duke, out. Duke Nukem Forever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's wasn't Star Citizen like kickstarted in 2013 or some shit? Yeah, but it's playable. I think Duke Nukem oh, Forever is probably Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, yep. that one. That one is a big one. That was yeah. 12 years, right? Yeah, and that that worked out great for that one. I mean, that just <laughs> came out like three. Come on, chat. <laughs> wait what, what was that co pong two everyone's waiting for pong two everyone's Everyone. waiting for pong two beta everyone oh yeah <laughs> it's gonna be huge oh yeah <laughs> it's gonna be huge yeah uh, people don't realize it already came out it was called pongs oh god damn it i see the dad jokes are on point this is good yeah this is he's... good <laughs> the dude need, like a, a little cue for like laughter and clapping <laughs> i googled pong two and there's uh, the pong dash com. So there is a pong two. Oh, who knew? <laughs> and I don't let's know all if crash it's licensed or anything. I really don't know if um, I don't know if that's a, a public domain kind of a name since it's so old or whatever. I don't, I don't know if anybody owns the word yeah, pong. Who owns that? 
Who owns the Pong IP? It's probably still owned, right? Atari? Uh, yeah, Atari. Atari still owns it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Two Pong to live. Oh, we're going the the fast and furious <laughs> route. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, that's it. There, there is some Resident Evil news, but we'll tie that in when we talk about Resident Evil. Is there anything else uh, the three of you have seen that you want to bring up in terms of just general news over the past week? Other than Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis, like having a, a beta this week along with Guilty Gear, which we're going to talk about as well. They're like at the exact same time. I yeah. can't say anything better about New Genesis. I played the game in Japanese um, and it was a blast. Like the true sequel to Fantasy Star Online. Uh, and because PSO2 feels like a much different game. PSO2 New Genesis is like a completely, it feels like a different game and it's just really fun. It's a very enjoyable game. So I don't know. It really scratches that itch um, as an old PSO fan. And uh, the, the bit that I got to play, because there was already a very limited amount of what was available, because um, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the art style, but man, it's it's pretty too. It's a good looking game. Oh, wow. Um, this does look I, a lot better. I wish. And this is like the very, this is the really, this is the, the footage from when it was first shown off. It looks a lot better than this now. So it's one of those games that's a bit rate hell. Right. That's my biggest yeah, argument with the against grass. it is that on stream it, it takes a dive because there's so many so much plants and foliage and moving parts when you're smacking the crap out of a thirty foot tall monster with eighteen different people in the zone. <laughs> it's like, okay, this becomes a bit of a bit of a screen barf situation uh, on a stream, but when you're actually playing it, it looks amazing. So what was the what was the other fantasy star that came out recently? Was that just an HD, like an upscale re release? Like what was that? I say uh, so, recently, but in the past year, maybe past yeah, two so years. two. That was that was PSO. actually just okay. Fantasy Star Online two when Xbox announced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was just the game being released outside of Asian territories. That's all oh, it was. Okay, that's the one so, Strippen was playing, right? Yeah, yeah. Strippen was playing that. Yeah, okay, yeah. And it's a, it's a good game, but it clearly is like this is clearly like a ten year old game. Like it's got. It's got a lot of elements that are are fun, but man, the, the menus and the systems on systems on systems, it's clearly a game that has been updated for its player base for like eight plus years of uh, of success because it was Sega's moneymaker. Like PSO2, I think, makes more money for Sega than almost anything, right? And that's the sure. only reason why this is still called PSO2 because they don't want to alienate their fan base. It's the whole reason why this game and PSO2 are like complementing each other instead of being completely different packages. They don't want to split the. Okay. They don't want to split their audience. See, I, it's so much more work. Like they have to make like gear and uh, accessories and visual accompaniment items. All these things that people got in PSO2 have to work in New Genesis as well, and in a completely new graphics engine. Like it's it's way more work than um than they than they probably should have ever have had to put into this. But if it ends up working at launch, that's a that's huge, man. This game is fun too. Probably some of the most like fun like action game character classes and stuff. I think you're looking at Gunner right now. Uh, it's it's a blast. Like even using casters and stuff like that, it's crazy like action based, and you're always like flipping and dipping and doing all this combat stuff. And there's more reasons to go for one more thing, and you have to risk that to do this. It's like this is great. This is just. Can you just fly I- in the game? Uh, so you can you can like hover and float and air dash and there's a limited amount of mobility that you can do but you get things like double jumps some classes can do a lot more mobility than others um but there's like glides and things you can do there's not direct flying 
So, but if, but if you're a better player, you'll figure out how to get access to those things because of all the mechanics each class has. I'm gonna it looks like he's just hovering around this guy. Yeah, like, skills yeah, are when, when you grab out, he's in the air for like another 30 seconds. Yeah, when you shoot, the whole gimmick is to, to keep a combo up. So it's like you literally have this like matrix style character where if you just keep shooting and you hit your target, you can keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting. So the whole gimmick is that you transition from one attack to the next and then flip and then dip and then shoot and then flip and then dip and then do this and <laughs> have different like it. That's the whole gimmick of it is that you have to keep your combo gauge really high. That's cool. So this one. Yeah, this class looks like they're constantly like they're constantly just floating and shooting zero G. When does this actually like fully release? June. Oh, okay. <laughs> terrible. Because I'm looking at this, I'm like, Ooh, this like actually looks kind of. This looks pretty fun. To be honest, <laughs> looks yeah. pretty fun. Right? Maybe it probably will be like June 9th. You know, they haven't actually announced it, but it, I'm not even surprised if it's hey, it's available June 8th. Like, thanks, man. Yeah. Like, going to compete with Ratchet and Clank, Guilty Gear, and Final Fantasy 7. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll skip ahead here. See if they. I don't know if they're only playing this class. Uh, looks like it is, yeah. Looks they're like finding it. a different monster. Uh, this is some beta footage, I think, games. Can't get over how much it reminds me of Equilibrium. Yeah, with the <laughs> yes. gun kata. A little yeah, bit. I kind of yeah, love they it. just yeah. call it the gun kata. Yeah. I know, right? There's also like a tinge of uh, like Monster Hunter in terms of... A little bit. I, I've not played yeah, the, a the way, Fantasy the way Star the Online, weapon... so... Wait, and that's that. I had I had played Monster Hunter first before jumping into PSO two, um, because PSO two had really not new Genesis has some really interesting weapons and character classes. I'm like, this is really cool. It just looks super dated, you know, and it feels dated, but it's got a lot of cool ideas. I'm like, man, it'd be great if it would like expand upon this, and they literally announced new Genesis later. But that was my biggest comparison: is that the weapons in Monster Hunter are practically like characters. You know, they yeah. do so many crazy, unique things per per weapon, and that's sort of what the classes are in this one. Uh, but they just it's so much easier and more ex like accessible in a way that doesn't remove what makes the previous stuff fun in fact seemingly gives almost more things that you can do because they allow a job system that works a bit different with like a complementing job and a main job and instead of a limited amount of things they're just like you just get everything now <laughs> so a lot of people that are used to pso2 are probably going to be disappointed inherently but there's clearly like this is a beta you have a limited amount of stuff you can do uh, at least in in this in this part of the game, and it's clearly going to expand and get really crazy really fast. Huh. So, so just and, and for the record, the full version is what's coming out in early June, right? Yeah, it is. So for somebody and who's it's actually never... a, an international launch. Oh, okay. Okay. So it, so this would probably be a pretty good time if like like the last thing I played was like Dreamcast ESO. So this would probably be a good time to like check it out. We're gonna do it. This is absolutely one hundred percent. If you are, if you enjoyed Dreamcast PSO in any way, that was the first yeah. online game for me. This is the game. Like this feels like a true sequel to Fantasy Star Online. PSO two felt like something very different, and it always had been. Fantasy Star Universe PSO two. They tried to be sequels to PSO, but they always just felt a little off. And to me, this game and its exploration and the way the world is and the way the enemies are, it it feels like a true like dang, we gotta real sequel to fantasy star online in like 2021 okay yeah yeah I've are they talking all about what you do like in the end game like there's no pvp in this game right uh there there's no pvp i don't think uh i don't know like it's especially what they're going to be going with for uh like true end game stuff but i don't think that's a big part of pso uh two even like the previous the previous game 
Uh, so you'd have to ask some like crazy hardcore PSO2 fans, but I think a lot of it is just like big community grinds and stuff like that, giant raids and things like that. Cool. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, how many classes are there? Uh, a healthy head, amount at the okay. start. There was like, I, I can't remember exactly, but there was like six to eight. And then you could combine between each one. Like you can have a sword tecker or oh, you nice. could have a gunslinger, uh, you know, anything. Like you can mix these things up. Is this uh, like $60 buy once or is it free to play? Like Free to play. Oh, okay. Is it subscription oh, there's based? 10, there's 10 classes? Oh, okay. uh, yeah, ten sounds about right. So they they do they do the exact same thing that they've been doing with PSO two. There's like season passes and things uh, like that. Okay, yeah, I'll be like, I've I've gotten emails about this, and it went as far as like Fantasy Star. Oh, there, it, this is just the re-release. I don't need to like. Maybe I won't respond to that style of email. This is the first time I've yeah. actually seen footage of it, and now I'm like, and where was that when- email? <laughs> when when I was introduced to it from like when I when I tried PSO2 because I, I tried PSO2 no, no kidding in 2012 when it was in its beta form yeah uh, just to get used to it what what it eventually turned into and I had to get like a big primer from my chat of like how do I play this game what should I be doing because it's so many contrived systems on systems it's so confusing this this is like a reset of what it is but the one thing that everyone sort of mentioned about it is that the MTX in this game is actually pretty decent. Like the way they handle it, and they don't—they don't really go nutty with a lot of the uh, the stuff that they could they could be potentially doing. I don't know. From a lot the, the perspective that I got from my audience, at least with PSO two, is that the way they actually handle their season passes, their cosmetics, all that kind of stuff, they do a pretty good job with this game. And there's an insane amount of crossovers that PSO two has like gone into between other games and franchises and things like that. So wow. I don't know. It seems. Seems fairly cool. Cool. You gonna be playing it this weekend? Are you gonna? Well, what's your your time uh, divide between this and Guilty Gear? How do you? What I'm, do you I'm time dividing, man. I'm gonna have to <laughs> split my body into multiple parts, and we'll figure it out. Twitch has that technology now. I've heard. Yes. It's, yeah. It's part of how it works. Uh. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for talking about that. I had no idea that this was like a brand new game. I thought it was just the re-release or the HD remake or the thing that Strip and played a year ago. I thought that was what this it's, was. It's PSO two by name only. By all accounts, it's really Fantasy Star Online three. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Uh, anything else news wise? Uh, you guys want to bring up any other stuff to share? I I think I got most of the like big stuff. Like I, I said, think apart you from got music. most of it. Okay. Zeke, uh, anything in your neck of the woods? Bring up. Oh. Oh well. Not really. Nope. Uh, just uh. You want to know like news with me personally? No, no, no. Or... Just news in the, in, that you have heard. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, I get my I get my second other... vaccination shot tomorrow. That's Ooh, nice. Thanks, Congrats. Ooh, nice. Congrats. The only other small thing, uh, control fans might like this. Um, Remedies, tri- and this is this is from the uh, the Reddit games that I follow. Remedies triple A game project uh, with EG is soon moving into full production, and the second smaller scale game continues in full production. A lot of people think that the AAA game that they're going to be putting into production might be Alan Wake 2. Three. No. Two. Three. I thought there was more than two Alan Wakes. There's Alan Wake, and then there's the DLCs. I think. And then Dang, I, think I thought there was an Alan game. Wake 2 as well. Oh, was there like an Alan Wake colon something? It's American Nightmare. Yes, there's okay. Alan Wake American Nightmare, but I don't think there's been an actual two. 
Okay. God yeah. damn it. Dude, they have the perfect opportunity <laughs> for Alan Wake and the two L's to just be two. <gasps> Al two Lawyers. I think that I think is Alan a... Wake only has one. No. Um, Making... There will be two L's. It's a re envisioning. No, it's, it's Barry <laughs> Allen. It's a flash crossover. That's what they're doing. He's it's the reboot. There. Yeah, yeah, it's the reboot. They got a lot of money. It's that epic money now. Uh, well, let's take our break. We'll use this as a good bookend. We'll come back. We still got a bunch of stuff to talk about Resident Evil 8, uh, Returnal, uh, Guilty Gear, whatever else everyone else has been playing. Uh, we'll try to cram all that into the back half of the show. We'll see how we do right after this. We'll be right back. Uh, give us about five or six minutes here with more drop frames. We'll see you then. Welcome back, everyone. Going to the second half here of drop frames. Let's talk some video games. Uh, let's start with Returnal. I guess I, we could really go any direction here. I've already got the Returnal game of up. the year. Yeah. So this is your game of the year. I, I, yeah. I would like to poke holes in your game of the year. Cause it's fun to do. Uh, <laughs> what? Let's go. Let's talk it, about it. And it's a polarizing ass game. I, Oh, I completely agree with you. Like I, I don't, this game is either going to dig under your skin and you're going to hate it or you're going to love it. I did. I definitely didn't hate it. I think this is like, uh, if you put a number to it, I think this is like the quintessential eight out of 10 for me. Really? But, okay. But, but knowing what I know about you and how much you liked final fantasy seven remake when it came to the ending, I totally see why you're into this story. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like this is, this is right up your alley. Um, how, how do we want, cause last year we kind of skipped around or last year, last week we kind of skipped around the story component of that. How do we just want to put up a spoiler thing and like, it's hard to talk about the game without bringing in that aspect this conversation. Of it. I would actually like to do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I, okay. I, I think the ending is going to play really large into some of the stuff we're going to be talking about with this game. So um, I agree. I also don't I'm have, try to, we'll try to keep it and on the, on the, on the back end and like pat it with stuff of just like impressions at the start. But yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say that we can go kind of spoilery on this because there's going to be a lot of just lot. There's going to be a lot of interpretation going forward yes yeah um god damn it i'm trying to once again find i don't have a spoiler graphic ready someone put their hand up while i'm trying to find this max you talk about it Cole, hurry and try to find this uh what what do you think your game of the year really what uh, returnal's that good yeah so uh, returnal really hits a lot of the, the notes that i i personally love about certain movies about cer certain genres and franchises i'm already like one of my favorite movies of all time is aliens like next to like back to the future like a couple of my favorite films of of all time um but my personal favorite film genre of all of them is like space thriller or like psychological space horror things like that are just my favorite so of course bloodborne the, naturally the, accompanies the, that too where does event horizon fall for you is that up there or not? Um, incredibly fond memories, remembering it being amazing. But up, upon like a, a, a 2020 and beyond rewatch, all right, <laughs> like it's it's a little, it's got some, yeah, it's, it's got, got some parts that are okay, and then it kind of <laughs> falls apart in the end. But yeah, I, I really loved Event Horizon uh, growing up, especially. But other movies like um, <laughs> there's a lot of inspiration. This game is just so many things. 
put together really, that it's insane. That's the best I can do on short notice. <laughs> I can throw sorry, some Mac. text too. That's a spoiler. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, it's a car spoiler. It took me forever to figure out what the fuck that was. God, the spoiler graphic. It's a, it's a stand-in graphic. You know, it is what it is. Beauty. Top men are on the spoiler. I don't get graphic. it. Yeah, some people won't. <laughs> Some people won't. There's just a lot of ways yeah, to like, interpret it. To me, I, I had some crazy hot takes like halfway through this game. So I'm just like, so chat, is this game just Metroid but better? <laughs> like some really big, like there's a lot of Metroid. clearly takes so many things from like Metroid, from Alien, from Solaris, from even Doom. Like a, a lot of the level design in this game really reminds me of of Doom. Like 2016 and you know Doom Doom Eternal, yeah. So much exploration, like and obviously like the funny enough, this might be a spoiler, but the roguelite thing. We got the graphic. Okay, we're good. Um, but the the roguelite aspect of the game is kind of like a selling point, even though they don't preach that. Like they don't really. It's not like a part of its marketing that this game is really a, a roguelike rogue roguelite. I'm not I'm not a huge roguelike guy at all. Like I've played Hades and that was it. So my comparison is like, oh, these are boons. That's a chaos boon. <laughs> like I get it. I understand now. But really, like after you beat it and you go through it a few times, you realize how little of the game really is roguelite. Like it has some parts of that. Yeah. But it's it's still like strictly like level based. It's still strictly you can skip bosses, like it, it's got roguelite elements, but it's it's so many different things that it kind of comes together to make it its own thing. Yeah, I, I think that... Well, I, I talked a lot about it last week, So, and Co, you did not, I think, because you were worried about spoilers. So I'm, I'm interested on your take on the game and also everything Max just said. Okay, so I, 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 I will say I felt like the story kind of seemed developed around the roguelite stuff especially from like the the story perspective the main story one thing i'm very interested though how many times did you beat the game five times to get to get final uh true like final credits last credits i think you have to beat it four or five times i beat it twice i beat it once but i watched the other endings yeah because i i saw the final ending after the second time beating it um like Uh, you have to you have to beat it and then that unlocks the five, the six pieces you can get. Once you beat it one time, the six pieces become gettable. And right. then you get all those, go to the house, and then you can beat it the last time. You don't have to actually beat the game every time. You can just get the pieces and then go back to the house and then beat it for the final one. But right. That's, Did you, but you got, you got the car keys as well, right? Yeah, yeah. The, like, like literally all you do is you, you play through the game one a second time and you make mm-hmm. sure to explore everywhere to get the pieces. And then when right. you get all the pieces in the, in the area in the last one, you just die. You don't even need to beat it. And then you can go back into the fourth area, get the house. That's when you get the keys. And then you go right. and use the keys to beat it. But the thing, and, and this is this is one of the things that, like, I wanted this to be my game of the year. Like, I loved the gameplay. I love the, the, uh, the weapons. I love the action. The action was fantastic. In fact, funny enough, coming from Nier, there were a lot of similarities with, like, the, the ball mechanic where it's kind of sure. like, they're, you know, the bullet hell kind of thing. Loved it. But the thing that drove me crazy about this game is the fact that it is a roguelite that kind of like you're saying doesn't really it doesn't feel like a roguelite. Yeah. It doesn't. They, once you beat I mean, it, you realize it's not really. 
but in my opinion, in the wrong ways. That's the thing. Because the thing that's so beautiful about a roguelite is that it encourages you to keep playing it. And that's what I wanted from this game. I loved the game. This game? game? You're I, done playing. Yeah. 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 Like, that's there the, is, that's there's the an problem. end. But yeah. like, but like <laughs> I was done playing a roguelite after two playthroughs. And that's what was driving me crazy. I wanted a reason to keep, I wanted, I wanted 15 wins to get the full yeah. story. And it's like, I beat it twice. And then to be blunt, and this is the big spoiler, I beat this game twice. <laughs> And I felt like I was on the second ending of a 10 ending part. The ending told me nothing. I agree. If yeah. anything, it was, it just left more gray. Yeah. And, and here's what drove me even crazier. I love this world. I thought it was so cool. Like I, I was, I was digging the, the aesthetic. I was like, why is all her shit involved in this? Like what is yeah. going on? And then I got to the end of the game and I was seriously like, are you mother going to actually tell me this was all a dream? Like, is that what you're going to do? You're going to make this incredibly cool planet, this awesome lore, <laughs> this is this super cool area, and then you're going to hit me with it. Oh, it's all just her mental problems in the case of an alien world. I, and it's like, no, no, this place is awesome. I want aliens. I want like actual real life stuff. Like, I don't, I, I don't, no, but we don't need some convoluted, like, oh, it's all in her head because of her lack of understanding about her relief. You know, like, did that not no, your, your, I, your I, interpretation? Yeah, so here's this, this is great. So interpretation is way, that she's like think... in a coma or it's a dream, right? Is that yeah, Co? That uh, question to you. Is that's, that what... that's it. The, the, the issue is that especially after the the end, the hidden ending, when the ultimate the ultimate baddie is is her mother in a wheelchair, so you can make all these assumptions about how it's actually like her guilt and holding back her mother and that all this stuff, like like. It's it's it 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 leads you to believe there's no way it couldn't be some type of interpretive experience because everything around it is tied to the fact that it's this personal journey that people go through accepting grief and responsibility and and the way sure. of the world and things like that. But at the same time, there's all these other elements where it's like, okay, if that's the case, then why did it make the point in the middle of the game to say that she escaped the planet and lived her full life and then returned to the planet? what possible and, what, what and did you so and i i it took me like i had to sit with my chat for like two hours That's and started reevaluating yeah. stuff and the conclusion i came to is that the alien planet is 100 real and awesome did you did you get a, did you get a deep understanding of the astronaut not really she's the astronaut well, well, so well yeah yeah the last scene so suggests they, they, the, the, the game so here's the crazy that. thing and yeah if yeah. you go if you go back and you start looking at all the marketing, right? A lot of the marketing isn't talking about like you return, you do all this. It's talking about time. Like time is um like moving water, like it's waves. It goes in and it comes back. It goes in and it comes back. And you think that's referring to um the death, right? You're going to die, you're going to come back, you're going to die, you're going to come back. There's a big turning point in the game where your character wins and you escape the cycle. And you go back to uh, Earth and you relive your life. You live out the rest of your life like a hero, this woman that survived this crazy alien planet. To only find out that halfway, uh, that throughout that life, she passes away from old age. And it's seemingly 63 years later and her ass wakes up back on the planet. And she's like, holy shit, I'm still here. I didn't get out. This is awful. But everything's insanely dilapidated. Nothing makes any sense. 
she starts talking about like how 63 years have passed but it looks like thousands of years have potentially passed here's here's the part that uh is is kind of hard and i i thought this all the way until the very end when we started talking about it we went back and looked at astrologs and all the insane amount of storytelling and i don't even think there's a guaranteed answer for this but she didn't go 63 years into the future she went thousands of years into the past then how was her ship so rusted out and still there because she's been doing this there are there are two different versions of so here's here's the here's the crazy this, gimmick. This is okay. This is what I got into as well. So I'm glad we're yeah, on the so same page. The astronaut is our main character, right? Okay. But there's different events that happen to our main character. At one point, our main character was so entrapped by this that she tried to find something that she could do to change it, which involves killing her own mother. She's the astronaut who manipulates her own her own mother to die with her inside. And she goes back to change that, setting the future events for a future version of herself to potentially be free of this shit. So the younger version of herself, that the very thing you see at the end, you're like, oh, so this this child that essentially drowns, which is the younger version of herself with her mother in the car, the mother escapes and lives, but gets traumatized and she's like in a handicap and she's like handicapped because of it but the last images you see of the game is a little girl drowning still under the water which is that water thing you see and even though she's a young child she still gets returned so no matter what her existence is directly tied to this planet she's directly tied to atropos which is this god of uh like the, the greek mythology things like a god of time and death yeah. So yeah. here's the gimmick. The gimmick is that there's two different versions of Celine. There's a version of Celine that is actively trying to get herself out of this situation. And the direct tie into that is that she's the one that shoots her own ship down. She's the one when she wakes up out of out of a uh, a, a house the sequence, house thing, like yeah. one of the final house sequences. She realizes that she was the one on the turret that shot the ship down onto the planet. There's a and there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand here about what the hell's going on, but she had been stuck in this so much longer, and you you get this at the very early part of the game where she sees uh, bodies from thousands of years ago. She says they look centuries old, like way well not maybe thousands, but hundreds of years. Like this doesn't make any sense. I'm here with them, and I am damaged in the same way they are. But this looks so old. She's like that doesn't make any sense. Like I just got here. You think that it's referring to the fact that time is like moving forward, right? And she is like progressing. But the fact is like with what happens with the returning uh, of her character, it goes way further back than what you assume is actually happening. It's fucking, it's super weird. It's contrived. You really got to look into the story logs to start getting like a basic understanding of what's going on. And a lot of it is metaphorical with the Greek gods of, you know, them explaining what's happening in comparison to like Greek mythology. Yeah. But 100%, like the story is really about this planet, this Atropos thing, this alien being is, is like a God. It is, it is in complete control of like time and death. And this entire alien civilization uh, needed or was trying to ascend, right? They were trying to appease the planet, like this God that is like the God of their planet. None of them could ever do it because it was always Celine. 
she was the one that was always like the god chose her to constantly fulfill this role and that's why when you go further in the game you find like all their ancient text and all this crazy shit on the walls and all this ridiculous promethean shit that's been there for seemingly thousands of years it isn't it isn't of them anymore which you initially think it's of just their culture it's actually Celine. Celine is somehow rooted into their culture over however many tens of thousands of years. Like it goes back so far that she's always been there. And it actually modifies their uh, their complete understanding of the world. So that's why the boss plays the theme. Um, the second boss or sorry, the fourth boss. The fourth boss plays her. Yeah, the song plays the song that she died to. So right? I also read a theory that the fourth boss is supposed to represent her dad in greek lore? it does say it does say father at some point yeah, yeah. she does say something about it being her father but you never hear anything else about the, her, her father and, and like greek but, mythology isn't the whatever the fourth boss's name isn't that supposed <laughs> to be her dad or something like that and, and the greek lore and the pantheon i think it's supposed to be i her think father. so he uh, uh not helios but um not uh, hyperion hyperion, hyperion is Sisyphus's yeah. dad or whatever the fuck yeah yeah yeah. I, my favorite comment so far from chat oh i'm failing this class <laughs> well that's it's, the thing. dude it's, it's, it's super intense. yeah it, but it's, okay. it's super weird it goes so like you really there are there's so many astrologues and then so, the crazy part is once you get her astrologues of her actually talking to herself in the so many different versions you start to pick up on the ones that are old celine and the ones that are like the Celine that tried to actually change things to, I'm going to break my ass out of this to the one that's like currently still stuck in it. Cause no matter what happens, she is, it's her destiny. Like she was chosen to do this, no matter how many ways she tries to manipulate time. Uh, and you really start feeling it once you go though. through. So the ones that are kind of like just accepting what's going on and like just talking about the, the crazy ones, oh, a lot of the, the ones that seem a lot more crazy, but okay. So I really like, some of the stuff that you're coming up with on this i think that it's 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 very five head um i i i will say the the ship shooting down thing is something that i've come back to a lot because any version of the Celine should remember that like her arriving on that planet was because of the technical the reason she couldn't like fly out after realizing there was a problem was because her ship got shot down so why would she shoot herself down if she was trying to escape and there was definitely, and also what was even stranger is she apparently gained consciousness in that moment after the shot had been taken and then retroactively said, whoa, I guess I was the one that did that. So what presence was in her when she did it? And what was the, what was the purpose of that presence at that time? It seems like they were trying to lure her to the planet and not get her to go away. Some other things that are, are super strange with this story is... I had a lot of those questions too. And I like that idea about her being there and having her stuff absorbed into the world because that was something that was always very strange to me. And it would make kind of mm -hmm. sense if she was this deified thing on here. But one of the, one of the things that drives me crazy and, and again, going back to the game itself is why would they obscure this to that point? It's one thing to leave it op op open to interpretation. It's another thing to tell a story. Like there's so many things in this that could go so many different ways that it's because just it, it, the developers love like, unless you're going to have unless you've already planned a two or there's going to be some dlc that actually tells a story like this feels unfinished like in a lot of because ways the I felt devs, like got to the point where they were where they were just like 
yo, we just got to wrap this up and we just got to <laughs> take what we have and, and yeah. finish it up. Like it, it, it feels half told. And that's one of the reasons that, that goes back to the gameplay mechanics that it drives me so crazy that you can beat it twice and get it all. Like yeah, I want to beat yeah. this game 10 times and every single time I beat it, I want to get divulged more into what's actually going on in the world. The meat, the, 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 the real, the meat of this <clears throat> game feels like it's not there in a lot of ways. The game and, 100% and us- does not want to give you the bow, uh, the bow to wrap it all up. It doesn't. Uh, clearly, the that devs love. It, for sure. Clearly, the devs love Bloodborne, and clearly they like the Souls style storytelling. Where a lot of parts of it, when you when you really vadividia it and boil down like a huge element of the storytelling of the game, it essentially boils down to things that are left ambiguous on purpose that are left to uh, interpretation. Like a, a lot of Bloodborne lore is like uh, this subtext upon history, upon subtext, upon history. And then when you finally like get to the point where I've watched this Vadi video video for two hours, right? Just give me the answer. And they're like, here it is right here. This is the thing you've been looking for. And they don't give you the answer. Uh, they, they let you figure out like what exactly is your interpretation of these characters and their motivations and what they do. And it's... 100% exactly the storytelling beats of a soul style game. Um, and it's told in the exact same way through item text, through like logs and notes and descriptions. And th- this game does a bit more metaphorical stuff because in the end you come to this conclusion. And I, I was there the same thing where I was like, man, I feel sort of like, uh, this associated with the game because it's like, Oh, it's just a dream. Right. And that's the first impression that I kind of get as well. In the end, is that oh, she's like in a coma or something like that. She's 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 dealing with trauma, and that this is her way of like coping with the trauma. Uh, that's one hundred percent true. But I I I feel that it's not the fact that she's like sitting on Earth in a coma because they don't really give you. Um, there's not a lot in the game that complements the fact that she's just she's just insane. To me, it really boils down to the fact that like her trauma and all the crazy stuff that leads up to the development of her being an astronaut and a and an explorer and a scout and all this stuff with her parents and or with her with her mother and trying to appeal like appease her mother that didn't even seemingly like her daughter very much, uh, is that that doesn't actually the alien civilization isn't there to be a representation of just her trauma. It was actually formed. These creatures exist because because of the trauma being there. She's she has been trapped in this thing for so long that like an alien civilization has like grown up around her because she's going forward and back in time by so many years that the trauma of what happened to her actually fabricates, not fabricates, but I said, I guess influences what these creatures are trying to do. They're trying to ascend. They're trying to do all these things that Celine could do. But because so much time passes and so much crazy shit happens to her and she has no idea how long she's been stuck in this Groundhog Day, that these creatures sort of formed their entire like uh, religion, culture, existence around the fact that they want to they want to do and appease this God in the way that she has. That's that's the interpretation that I got out of it. I I like I like the theme. Uh, How how does that tie in? the very ending though when the creature is her mother is that is that like all tying back to that where the where the creature ends up being that weird seemingly pregnant version of her mother in the wheelchair uh, like the ultimate yeah. power is actually born from 
the trauma. But then, again, then that would assume that the planet itself has some completely different, like, differential power that is causing all this to happen. Like, well, the planet, like, the I planet know, seemingly is is like a god of time and and death in many ways. And I'd have to get the the exact interpretation of what uh, Atropos kind of refers back to in like Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, but the mother being pregnant is is related to Helios. And Helios being the name of the ship is seemingly um, uh, Selene's brother that that died before she could ever meet him. And she's dealing with that grief because Selene is the one that inadvertently kills her unborn brother. She caused it by in being the car the crash. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was the astronaut. She was trying to get herself out of this and didn't realize that uh, she had an unborn brother by the name of Helios that was going to be named Helios that her mother was pregnant with. So she, deals, she lives with that grief. That's why she constantly says, Helios, how old would you be now? When she wakes up like thousands or many returnals later and she wonders like, where the hell are we? We're 63 years later. How old would Helios be now? And there's constant references to Helios being this like ship in the stars. So that's a part of the grief that she's sort of dealing with that has also manifested itself in fabricated parts on on the planet but it's also confusing to me why seemingly the last boss has the face of Celine. like that to me that that sort of boils back down to potentially that the face of Celine might be like the original astronaut like the original because you never like that see might it. be what yeah like she, her, her existence goes so far back and manipulates so much of time. And she's tried to change this stuff so much that she eventually becomes one of these great harbingers that is like a threat that the alien civilization took one version of Selene that somehow gained all this power, if not knowledge, if not anything of the civilization and became like the last boss. But it, 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 the, the weirdest part of the story is that it's it's really and this is why I want someone to really dig into the lore and 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 really come up with some conclusions on some of this stuff. It's left like really ambiguous. Why does the last boss have your face? Like what? So you're 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 the astronaut, but you inadvertently are trying to kill yourself in the past, but at the same time to to get out of the returnal, but at the same time kill your your brother, and that's why the the mother's like seemingly pregnant. Which parts are um, in her head? much less which parts have actually manifested on the planet is the planet yeah, like, like the really real at the bottom of the ocean with working headlights like how, yeah. what 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 exactly like what did they build did they make a little at that point model? at that point is that all in Celine's head like there's a lot of stuff that yeah. is left like i i'd honestly have to just sit here and and i i got to watch like excessive profanity play the game because <laughs> he's reading everything of the lore every single character and even the the lead storyteller of the game uh, really goes into a lot of detail on Twitter about the storytelling on how like every single level, all the level design, like the ways you get guns, even like a lot of the gameplay, everything is here to complement like this story of uh, seemingly this woman that has been stuck here, possibly throughout all of our like modern perception of time. Like she's been doing this for so long uh, that she's manipulated like even the existence of maybe the alien life on the planet. So it's it's crazy, man. Like it's it's truly like a, a 2001 Space Odyssey, Bloodborne kind of sto- sto- storytelling situation. 
it does not want to give you a, a, a bow. It does not want to wrap this thing up and give you a bow and be like, she's just stuck there. She's in a coma. In fact, in the end, the only the only resolution you get when you get back is by reading the log. And she's like, yo, um, this is my home. I realize now like she realizes after after doing this and she comes back again after finding White Shadow and, and everything, finding the message, which was ultimately her sending a message out for herself to get her back to the planet because she knows that this is her home. But there's like what point did she realize in the past that this is her home, that she's just trying to get herself back here to not suffer anymore because of the things she did in the past when she seemingly killed, like tried to kill her mother slash uh, kill her brother or killed her brother and dealing with that grief. Like, now I don't want to deal with that grief. Like there's so many ridiculous levels to this shit that it's nuts. There's a lot. I, uh, I think that's the box, <laughs> the box quote. There's so many ridiculous levels to this shit. It's nuts. (laughs) Quote. Yeah, like for Maximilian. It it is like that. That's like there's so there's so many little things in this game that that are there's so many little details that you can like put into columns into which one it would be it would be uh, uh, attributed to. Like for instance, you know, why did she go to the planet when the warning was there not to? Why did she decide to fight through that? Um, When when we can assume by looking at her, her spacesuit that she is at a certain point in human history based on the technology she's wearing. Sure. Why does she return to that exact same point when she returns from her whole, I'm going to live out my life and die. And can we assume that that exact point is when she landed on the planet in the first place? And in which place, like, is there any, is when she returned to earth, does that mean, you know, it was at a different period? It didn't look like it. There was no, there was no, like, I got home to Earth and it was years and years later. So we could assume that time in that space was linear, unless the, the, the time that she spent away was somehow, you know, dilated. So it's just like, there's all these little, it's, it, it, it's sort of, to me, there, there's, there's big elements because time travel is a big part of the story. Once you, once you come to the conclusion that she's not 63 years in the future, she's thousands of years in the past. Like once you like wrap your head around that, you're like, okay, so she's also the reason of her existence here, but was the cause of it too? Like Doctor Who, and that's that's some Terminator shit. That's (laughs) some John Connor is born because in the future (laughs) he sends Kyle Reese back to protect his mother, but also becomes her father. Right, wait, his his own father. Like right, how Kyle Reese like existence in Terminator. Right. Let me, let me try to explain it again. So the timeline it, is even long. in Terminator, it's confusing. You get it, right? <laughs> no, no. For oh. a second, I just thought you meant some dude banged his mom. But I was, I was at a different. Yeah. No, we're we're good. We're good. Um, no, don't no, steal no, my stick. To... That's the only reason I'm here, Co. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I'm kind of wondering now if it's a Doctor Who situation because that would explain like the fact that she keeps encountering logs of of versions of herself that she hasn't yet met, and the Doctor Who thing being where. You know, he jumps around so much in the timeline that a lot of times he'll encounter himself or, or or live through events that he hasn't yet experienced, but he's past those events in the timeline so he can see the effects of them without having lived through them. Mm. So it's the kind of thing where, like, it, it, when she comes up upon the, her bodies that are, that are extremely old, or if she comes up upon, you know, the logs where she has clearly already gone crazy, is the theory that we play through the entire game and then there is a portion we don't play significantly after that that actually is what she moved through towards the game or through the game itself 
-hmm. So in that case, like maybe they are planning on having like a descent of Celine and, and have more games. And then as they tell that story, the, what we played through here will make a lot more sense. Um, cause that'd be cool. Maybe. I, I don't think they're, I, I think they have no interest in, in wrapping this story up because it essentially is, is wrapped up in the end. Like, the, the story is concluded the fact that throughout all the different versions that Celine tries to change or adjust what happens, um, whether or not she is the, whether she, with her being the astronaut, with her dealing with the grief, initially going on the mission, not having any memory of the mission, like coming to all these conclusions, uh, the, the ultimate story is that this is her home. This is what she was always meant to do. Like this is, this is ultimately she there, her existence is that there is no escape from this and it's her acceptance of that and that's why that final log is like really like well shit okay but to get to that point of acceptance wouldn't she have to live through the events that she did like meaning to do it like in in the end of sure. the actual game she warps into the astronaut's body when it leads the car off the side but she didn't mean to do that at all. We don't think. I mean, she didn't. She raise her hands to protect against the car, showing that it's a defensive maneuver. Like, wouldn't wouldn't she have to get through to the point where she felt she needed to break free of the cycle before coming to the point of accepting it? Uh, I don't think she like. It's hard to say. I'd have to watch it again. I don't think she warps into the astronaut as much as a, a memory of why. Uh, why it happened and who the astronaut is it's the, the final reveal of the game is essentially that Celine was the astronaut the whole time right but what version of her was that was it one of the crazy versions that she's been talking about or is it does it go way further back than you know a perceived 63 years in the future thousands of years in the past to the point where, like, once again, time is going forward and then back and then progresses and then goes back again and does all these different things because our character is trying to do whatever she can to get out of this. And becoming the astronaut is seemingly like an answer, uh, an answer to it, right? Why she dresses up as the astronaut, like how she has the memories from before. It's all things that, like, you'd really have to look into the logs and, and a lot of the interpretive uh like greek mythology stuff which is sprinkled throughout the whole damn game um and i haven't haven't gotten through all of it but i think what what the game really tries to set up for is the fact that our main character doesn't have the answers and is seemingly set up, setting up for more questions and when she gets the answers it's like it's not satisfying like it's not it's like deep and disturbing like why why would this stuff have happened to an acceptance of of the grief, to an acceptance of her existence, to an acceptive, uh, acceptance of being like returning to the planet constantly. So kind of like her throwing her mother off at the end when she tried to kind of pull her back into that. I, I definitely, exactly. I, 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 I definitely like that interpretation. I think that that has, I think the biggest thing for me is not, not that I would even disagree with it. It's just my, my want for not only more gameplay, but the want to meet that Celine, to take that yeah. journey through seeing what happened, to meet the Celine that fired the gun instead of the one that yeah. was surprised that it went off. 
to For meet sure. the one that recorded those logs and to get that journey of acceptance. I feel like there's so much more to the story that could have been told through like subsequent stories and stuff. And they still could have kept it super murky and weird. But yeah. Because yeah. I think the it way like Hades beat the game like ten times. I just wanted the, to the way Hades times. handled yeah. like yeah. A, a returnal story is is honestly like way more. Dude, I, like we're we're gonna we're gonna look into these characters. We're gonna develop their totally. lore. You're gonna meet them constantly. You're gonna go through here and there. But the only character that Celine interacts with is the multiple versions of herself. Right. So and the fact that the game has like a hard end, like it literally is like we have roguelite aspects in here. But it's not really a roguelite. <laughs> like yeah. it really isn't. It ends. Like this, the, the game is supposed to be over. You can keep going through and building like new builds and stuff like that, and try to beat it as fast as possible. But I, it once you once you get through it, you realize that man, you drop like 20, 25 hours into the game or something like that, and it's pretty much like done. And you can replay it if you want. But you're not going to get outside of finding more astrologs and things like that, and finding ones that you missed, which will unlock some more stuff. You've gotten what like. 90% of them at least on your first playthrough. Like you've gotten the if majority of story yeah. that the game wants to give you information wise, you know? Yeah. Here's the only thing also that, that kind of drove me crazy about this game. They give you so many cool weapons. They give you so many cool effects you can get on those weapons. Yeah. Did you do any of the daily challenges? Uh, I didn't get a chance to know because I was so focused on like just completing story stuff. Almost every daily challenge has weapons that have rank three upgrades on them. Yeah. Throughout the entire course of the story, really? not only do you not unlock most of the upgrades, because it is so much more advantageous to pick up weapons that have stuff you've already unlocked, because then you keep working on them. It's like the same error that the Surge 1 had with its skill system. You get locked sure. into these certain things where it's like you're simply underpowered for not using them. But dude, I even went back and played the game after I beat it just to kind of experiment with other weapons, I never got a single power-up on a single weapon to rank three. And it's like, yeah. they have a system laid out to give like 50 plus hours of weapon progression in this game, and then they don't give you enough gameplay to do like any of it. Yeah, yeah no, well, and, no. And some of the weapon effects later are mind-bogglingly good. They'll like change how a weapon functions, like especially on the minigun thing. Yeah, um, like yeah. It, it's. I think what you mean is no story incentivized gameplay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because this exactly this essentially, what I mean. once once you've gone through and you've essentially completed the car key se sequence, um, yeah. the game boils down to exactly what the developer has done in the past, which is arcade style, uh, hyper action shooters like Resogun, uh, daily leaderboards, you know, point scores, time scores, like that's kind of the thing that they're incentivizing by the time you beat the game. Is that try to get through it as fast as possible and figure out the nuttiest things you possibly can because we're gonna have online stats and things like that for people that want to do that. Yeah. So yeah, it turns into this like big it it's like this big triple A sort of experience, right? With an arcade game. And at the end, it's an arcade game. That's really what it is. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think in a lot of ways, uh like one of the one of the biggest issues with this game is that Hades came out. Yeah. <laughs> like, in a lot of ways. And here's, dude, here's <laughs> the craziest part. You just part. look at it and you're like, God, I wish this had all the stuff that Hades had. 
yeah like 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 I, I really like for me i like the gameplay in this way more than hades than just dash whack dash whack right i think hades is great because of how the roguelite elements the mechanics of the game are incredible in hades the way you get boons like the way you modify your character in between a run like the perfect length of the runs it's all in my opinion that all that stuff is way better than this game because that game really emphasizes the mechanical roguelite shit right yeah this yeah. game doesn't as much it focuses on like level design and it and it goes in on like exploration and all these different things that are not really roguelite stuff where like you just get random rooms in most roguelite things and but this game wants to give you like crazy secrets and doom eternal uh doom eternal slash doom 2016 levels and i'm like okay so i'm i'm spending so much time just investigating stuff in this game and i should be i should be focusing on my run here yeah um and that's where i think hades is a lot better like the the boons in this game aren't really satisfying they're like mostly detrimental it's like ugh. yeah the artifacts are- I, I always have to like this bug just to give me a couple of seconds of alt fire cooldown is gonna it's gonna drop my health or something like that that's terrible well I, so and the boons aren't that satisfying and that's why it's like those roguelite elements are. and why i don't think it's a roguelite it has pieces of it because of the procedural generation of the game yeah um and hades hades since it came out again is like a greek mythology game and so is this it's so <laughs> bizarre like those guys like suck. they were being made at the same time they didn't even know about each other like this is so bizarre yeah no, I, I agree with you, and and I I do feel that like when it comes to the the roguelikeness of the game, when it comes to like the upgrades and the artifacts and the uh, malignant corruption bullshit, like some of those are like if you get the adrenaline, uh, you heal whenever you have an adrenaline meter unlocked. It's like yeah. the best upgrade in the game. I got that on on like my second or third run, and I got all the way to like the midpoint of the game because. You just never and the can best, die. The um, best parasite that you can get is the parasite that will cause two malfunctions but prevents death. Yes. So it's yeah. like, oh, well, preventing death is always better no matter how many malfunctions totally. I have. So whatever, yeah, I'll just take that. Yeah. And so like every uh, other parasite comes with huge, like usually detriments that are like, like considering how how uh, influential parasites can be, they're not like chaos boons where it's just like, oh, no. I can just get rid of this and then I'm good to go. You know? Yeah. No, they they mess you up. Yeah, I, I think that's where, from a gameplay perspective, I have issues with the game and, and also what Ko was saying in terms of the gun stuff. Um, and that run right there, you were using the, I forget the name, but it's like the LMG style thing, which I haven't seen anyone use any other type of gun, at least in the later levels, because the portal aspect to that gun stuff. is just <laughs> like, to beat the game, it's very good. I just kept resetting until I got that gun. <laughs> Because everything else was like playing it on hard mode until I got Portal, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." Hollow Seeker is just is is easily the most accessible uh, gun, and the the reason it's good is because Portal One is really good, and then Portal Laser Portal Two is there's even a, better. Well, there's also like a Portal super turret, good. turret. You can get two portals on one gun. There's portal, there's a there's a super. You, if you start looking, there's like a, a web shot gun that's like a pylon, uh, and you that's shoot what, like yes. one pylon, and it's okay. That's what I. But use then you get one that makes game. a web. Yeah, and then it makes a whole net, and then you can make this huge net that just protects you. And then you could also increase if you if you do use it enough, make that thing do twice as much damage. And enemies are just they fly and use oop like they're hitting yeah. like a bug hitting a screen. Oop, it and they just die. I'm like, this is busted, dude. Holy crap! Effectively, but it just turns. If you don't into level a it up, you don't get that. Yeah, and that that's my issue, right? 
I never saw what a shotgun can do because I never used it more than three seconds because I'm not fighting some guy flying around with a shotgun. Like, fuck yeah. you. I'm In not even going to waste shotgun, my time. The high-end shotgun ability, if every pellet of your shot hits an enemy, it doesn't count as ammo going down. So on a big enemies towards the end of the game, you just sit there with your shotgun, just, <laughs> just and their their health just melts away because you're yeah. doing high damage shots anyway. So yeah, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, but with all that said, like I, I felt like it was definitely skewed. Like depending on what gun you found in like area two or three, the most of the time it was going to be a hollow seeker. Those are the guns that most people use to like finish the game, and no one even got to see. Like someone in my game said, oh yeah, I used a pistol and like got all the unlocks for a pistol and it was super broken. And yeah. I, I was like, what are you talking about? It, I hate that gun with a passion for so many <laughs> reasons. Uh, but the game never gave me a chance, just like Co said, to explore those other guns, which in a lot of ways, I wish you got to like choose your gun at the start of a run. Um, well, there's, there's, I there's I liked so gimmicks. Much. Dude, I would have liked to see rank up perks, but don't make them available. It would have been so much more interesting if every time you got a gun, it had three random perks and then you could level them up or sure. unlock them for future stuff. But the fact that you, every gun starts with one perk and you have to unlock that to get the next perk and then you have to unlock that to get the next perk. Again, it, it locks you into guns. So it makes the variety. And then, and then also you never get to see how good a gun can get without slogging through yep. the gun sucking for a while. And it's kind of like, I sort of understand that, but and maybe that's the point of the dailies is they wanted to kind of show you what souped up weapons are. Force the you into have, using you know, weapons to unlock stuff. Yeah. 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 But it, it, it just, it's, it would have been so much more fun to kind of tease people a little bit by making those like be totally random unlocks. So you get a gun, you know, you've never used one of the, the gun Max was talking about with the net. And then all of a sudden you find in a back room after a hard boss fight, you know, a, a version of that gun with that on it and double damage. You're just like, Dude, I need to use this more. This is amazing. You know, like that cool, like aha moment. You don't really get that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Would be really cool to add that in. I agree. Uh, well, since time is a factor on the show, uh, and we, I, I do want to get to Resident Evil 8, uh, the final question I'll ask uh, is this worth 70 bucks? I said I, last week how much I hate this question. I'm still going to ask it because I think it's an interesting conversation point. Uh, do you recommend this for 70 bucks if you've, if you've got a PS5 with nothing to play on it? Which maybe is a, a different argument altogether. I mean, to me, like, yeah, like I, I, I had a 30-hour-ish experience just getting all the endings um, to the point where, like, my final run, to, I'm like, I was at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I want some resolution to this. And then, funny enough, the game does not give you any resolution to anything. No. So I was like, just one more run, man. And I skipped all the bosses and went straight to the end. And my run took, like, 40 minutes. Um, and I was like, damn, now that I know, like, all these enemy weaknesses and I know exactly what to do and where to go, geez, dude, you just, boom. Like, the, the complaint of the game being way too long um or runs taking way too long is one thing i think there's a genuine conversation to be had about the checkpointing slash saving yeah. of the game i think there's like a genuine like okay between like developer vision and some of like the really aggressive um put your system into rest mode shit i think that stuff is kind of like so you're already telling us that you can save but we have to save and not play any other games like that's sort of whack um so I think there's, I think that's the biggest, like, as far as me personally, the biggest issue the game has is the way they want the player to commit to these long ass runs. Like, 
if you search a zone and you're going to get through biome one through three on your first run, that shit can take you four to five hours. Yeah. Um, if you if you're trying to get like a lot of upgrades and stuff, and after biome three, boom, you're you're back to nothing because that's essentially your mid game checkpoint where oh now you're going to repop here in the past slash future you know whatever. So for me, that's like the biggest weirdest detriment of the game is um funky saving checkpointing. Yeah, but dude. at the same time, uh, I loved it because of like really storytelling stuff is big. World building, I think, is fantastic. And I love the enemies, dude. I just I just love playing this game. Like, I just want to like Agreed. go through and dodge shit and shoot enemies. This game has some of my favorite bosses I think I've ever like the boss fights and the music and the way all what that is stuff is third? utilized. Like, what's that? The, the fourth I think boss. it's the third boss fight where you're having to like go on the platforms that are falling oh, yes. around. And you're so best cool, boss fight. Yeah. That was the best boss. Fight and then now. and then you get the the um the fight with Hyperion, which is the dude on the organ, and the whole level is building up to this like this haunting music that you just have no idea. Like, what the hell is this? And you you climb the mountain as it's getting louder and louder. I'm like, this is so fucking cool. And then the fight is just incredible. Like, Jesus! Like every time I fired up the game, I came back like every day. I'm like, this game is so fucking cool. I can't even like. I just loved every aspect of that. So much less there was still things on guns I had never even seen before. Like in my in my final uh final run i was still coming across like crazy stuff and even though like yeah there's not going to be a lot of like super story incentivized elements um it's hard for me to like not recommend this for people that just love really precise action games like if you if you enjoy even like devil may cry or you know shooters in general it's it's top notch dude like the fact that they created a third person shooter and it feels this good and it responds this well and the enemies are so cool like I think it's some of like the best industry stuff they've that uh, that has come out in a long time. Yeah, Max, are you going to go back and keep playing this game? I want to, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I it came out like the worst time though, like with everything else. Like I I'm, I I was kind of pissed that I had to play it. I had to try to get through the main story stuff so fast. Like I I'm I, I'm I'm just beating RE8 right now, and I want to do another Returnal run and check out like daily challenges. Oh, so, I mean, I similar to like Rezogun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I would love a reason to go back, I, I think, is is my biggest deal, right? Like, whether that's in the form of DLC or or what. Um, and I, I think you kind of nailed it at the very start of the discussion in terms of wanting a bow on top of everything. My favorite part of the game is after you beat uh, the third boss and you go back to the planet and it's like, oh my God, like, I just lived my life and died. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Then That's I get to the end cool. of the game and they're like, enjoy. <laughs> they're like, no, what the fuck? That first ending is like, <laughs> what? That that first ending is the epitome of Dark Souls guy. I'm on fire. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. what? Like, I, excuse it, me? What the? Excuse me? What is going on? I would have. No God damn it. I, I, it made me. Uh, I always think about whenever I think about this game. Whoever the the writer is for the story was in like the pitch meeting, and they're like, "All right, pitch us, pitch us the story." And he gets to the end, and then he just stops talking. They're like, "Are you are you gonna?" Nope, that's it. Good luck. That's the story. Finish it. And that's how I felt playing this game. I gotta they say, just stop Max, talking. <laughs> I gotta say though, I hope to God that you are dead wrong. I hope <laughs> that you are dead wrong. 
and they are not done telling this story. Oh, because yes, I want yeah. a Returnal two. I want a Returnal three. I want DLCs for each of them because I want. I am somebody who needs more of that story. It helps me so much to have a carrot on the end of that stick. And I loved the gameplay of this game, and I wanted to play it so many more times. So I really, really hope that that this is not the end. We'll see about this. Um, I because I, man. It's it's so much fun to play. I just want to keep playing it. I want to keep playing stuff like it, you know. Uh, I hope it's I'd successful. I'd love to actually I, know about the story. I just I, I hope I hope House Marquee like it is successful. Um, but to me, I, I there's there's no way. I, to me, I do not see there being like a Returnal two of some kind, and it being about Celine. It'll be like another weird situation with a character that has to like come back to life for some reason or something like that. Yeah. It'll probably be separate from Atropos. It might might not even be space. It might even be like gothic or something like that. It might be something completely different and alien or not even sci-fi, maybe fantasy. Like I, I see the, the the gameplay is so good that I, I don't feel that they should drop this in any way. But I would definitely be curious if they did DLC for this, like where they would go with it, you know? Yeah. I mean they can they can go a lot um, of places. So maybe Atropos isn't limited to one planet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A couple times uh all right. A couple times in my chat, uh, people have asked about. You say you're going to mention something about Xbox fixing problems for this game. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the funniest thing. Returnal's biggest issue, in my opinion, is the way it handles its its saving, and the fact that if you close the application and you're halfway through a run, you're screwed. You you wake up back at the crash site. Yeah. So. Um, the, the solution to that is rest mode that you put the game into rest mode but what happens if you put into rest mode you can't play other games however there's another little video game system that if you do put a game into rest mode you can play other games and still enjoy the rest of your system and it's an Xbox so the Xbox is literally the answer to this game's saving problem yeah also uh, if you really enough it worked fine for me the PS5. I mean, I used the yeah, thing like three that, days in a row and it worked fine. There was there was <sighs> one issue I had where I was in the middle of a run and an update came out and I didn't realize I had no updates on. Threw me back to the start. I was at the last boss. I was like, it got real scary last week. Okay. Uh, after the show, because I lost like two runs or something to the auto update, kind of what you just experienced or said you just experienced, Max. They put out a patch like right around the time of last week's drop frames and I jumped in to continue playing it. Um, and like 30 minutes after that patch came out, they're like, oh, this can actually just corrupt your entire save. And like, you can't, you'll have to start over. There was a lot of issues on week one, dude. There yeah. was like three patches so I just and didn't play. <laughs> the last one was like a save corrupter. It was like, oh Jesus, dude. So that yeah. was definitely detrimented by once again, a component that they built into the game about returning, uh, where they're actually, the game yeah. is fucked up because of how an issue can impact their what what might be a creative decision you know yeah yeah so that's that stuff definitely uh sucked last week but it seems like most of those patch uh issues have been fixed so it's fine to play um at least when it comes to the patches causing issues there's still the issue of you having to go into rest mode to like quote save a run um but as long as they're not pushing out updates then hopefully it won't like this doesn't seem like a seems like a Shady situation, just in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's let's switch gears and talk uh, about Resident Evil Eight. Uh, Max, I thought you had finished it. Have you not finished Resident Evil Eight yet? 
I, f- I finished Hardcore Run, yeah. Oh, okay. So you have finished it. Uh, yeah. Do we do a discussion, spoiler conversation on this as well? Where, how do we feel about spoilers in RE8? Too new? I would, I would have to, for that one, I'd have to take my headphones off. I think you can oh, talk we, about it. We could, we could talk about it without we going into like final act stuff and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I think that that's... Zeke, how far, how far in are you? Which, which boss were you on last? I have not picked it up yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have not played it at all yet because uh, the way my channel kind of works is I have to, you know, wait for the hype level to go like to an acceptable low so that I can, you know, come in and actually get some viewership for me playing. Is it, it, isn't so. that a wonderful, wait delicate a ballet on Twitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a couple of weeks um, until everybody's had a chance to play it, watch it. Do whatever, and then and come on over, or whatever. But yeah, I have not, I have not picked it up. I wanted to play it on release, I really did. I did not know that uh, so many people were getting it a day early, getting it, getting to play it a day early. And honestly, uh, business wise, uh, that that totally just tanks uh, tanked my plans because I was going to play it like right on release with everybody. We're going to all, you know, out of the gate at the same time. But, you know, I just wasn't in the know as far as that goes. So I woke up that day and I went, fuck. Okay, now what? <laughs> so I went, hey, this you know is... what? I got Demon Souls. Let's play Demon Souls. That's what I'm doing. So I, I, got a, I got a question for JP and Co. since you guys have completed it. And this is not a spoiler. Did you guys find that last damn fish? So I watched full playthroughs of it. I didn't play it. A little different. I'm, I'm more unique than, uh, than Zeke. But a damn fish, dude. I don't and, think I looked. And I the... found out that it's behind a spot of the game where you're locked out from getting it. And I'm like, I got everything except one oh, fish because you couldn't go back for it. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I missed a little group of fish in my run actually, because um, I I ended without getting the final upgrade. So I think yes. I think I actually missed a little bit of fish. I, I literally needed. My chat said the exact same thing. They needed one fish a singular fish for like the final final upgrade of everything and everyone I, so many people are like i was the same way i couldn't find that damn fish couldn't find that fish everyone was like i'm like really like where is this thing hidden and apparently it's before you change the world right in a, in a big situation you change the world oh. so if you go progress the story you can't go back and get it and i'm like and it's really hidden too i'm like mother Pfeiffer. I I didn't get the speed upgrade because of it. It's like, oh my god, damn! Yes, they missed fish. Sucks. Sucks. Uh, <laughs> in terms of, uh, I'll be very careful of also watching the the video footage here because uh, even though I have not played it, I have watched multiple full playthroughs of it. Uh, so I'll be careful not to show anything too too crazy. Um, but just viewers beware, there is footage playing. Uh, it is a Resident Evil game that is, you know, story driven in a lot of ways. So I'll do my best. But with all that said, uh, Max as the like Resident Evil fanboy in a lot of ways, I feel like that term's got such a, a negative connotation to it these days. But as the Resident Evil fan, super fan, uh, where do you where do you kind of put Resident Evil Eight? Where where is it at on the uh, the pantheon of Resident Evils? Um. I loved it. In the end, I thought it was a better game than RE7. So that's like a, that's like probably one of the best comparisons you could make as to the game that's it's very similar to. Mm. Um, but there, 
it's funny because for me, Ari, and this is what I have to describe it as to my to my chat. Um, RE seven is like a roller coaster where at the start they have those magnets and they shoot your ass, right? So you go really fast at the start and you're like, whoa, this ride's crazy. But by the time the, the ride's kind of over, it starts to get slower and the end of it's okay, no, and then it's kind of done, right? And that really rears its head at the end of RE seven when you have to go through the boat and then revisit the boat again and in the past and the present. It's like okay let's just we just wrap this up and then the ending is oh it's like okay it's pretty decent but man that first part is amazing um to me re8 is like the exact opposite the beginning part's like a like a like a going up the roller coaster hill and you're like okay there's some stuff happening all right we're going to the castle and then at some point like right when you do that it's cresting and it's getting better and you're seeing this village and you can go to all these places and then Boom, it goes down and the game gets crazy. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's funny how RE7 is like front loaded with amazing stuff. And to me, RE8 kind of is like mid to back loaded with like, damn, this game has got all this stuff you can do. And it's really fun. And the bosses are are really, really enjoyable. And yeah, it's like a stark contrast. So I, I in the end, enjoyed it more than RE7. Biggest detriment the game has. This is a... This is an actual flaw, in my opinion. No VR support. Yeah. <laughs> like, VR was such a huge part of RE7, man. Like, a transformative kind of experience. And you almost have to, like, separate the VR from the game. <laughs> but if this game had VR, there would legit be moments where I'm just throwing this shit off my head. I'm done. Can't well, handle it. Yeah. I, I definitely think that it was, in a lot of ways, like, RE8 is the greatest. Nada. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Can't handle um, it. Dude, done. <laughs> Get me out of here. It, it's a greatest hits of Resident Evil games because, like, the opening is like RE4. Uh, the the segment you just mentioned, Co. Uh, subtly is like PT, right? Like in a little like RE7 in 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 some ways. Um, the end is the end, which is a different game entirely. Uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways, like it it is uh it it was. It, but it all seems to flow well. That's being said, like all of that, all uh, everything I just said is positive, right? Like it, it seems to flow into all of those different things very, very well. Um, I thought in terms of just like watching all the different playthroughs I did, or, or that I watched rather. Um, so it was, it was cool to see, and it, it definitely had the. I, I think the other question a lot of people saw that I saw in streams was like, where's, where's it on the scare meter? Uh, as someone who is uh, not. Uh, super into scary games. I feel like this was definitely a step down from seven, but like the part Co just mentioned, for example, still kind of ranks up there and like, you know, kind of fucked up, right? Like a, a little bit terrifying in a lot of ways. Um, but it's more playable in the sense that it, it had a little bit of like RE2 uh, scare for me where it's like, yeah, this place is kind of fucked up, but I could still move forward and shoot things, right? And, like, they put NPCs to kind of, like, ease the stress of certain situations and, like, bring that stuff down. Um, so I thought, in terms of just watching it, uh, is I, I thought the, like, scare meter was was fine. Like, it was, it was on the perfect level the entire thing. As people yeah. that have obviously played it and obviously been uh, more active in all the other RE8 games, where do you guys put it in, like, the 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 horror vibe the the horror rating where would you rank it co, ahead, co or z yeah or or max sorry go ahead go okay uh so for me i felt like i, I okay first of all re8 definitely has its moments 
it, it, there are times where I was disgusted. There are times when it was jump scary. Uh, there are times when it was uh, dada. It was it was definitely a, a situation where it, it there there are there are there are moments where it is definitely uh, a very scary game. But the actual loop, like what I was doing in the game, for me, an eight felt a lot more adventury, in in a good way because I I really liked that part of it. I would I would say this game is more adventure horror than I would say Resident or well, Resident Evil Seven is is horror. Like in Resident Evil Seven, you're kind of like trapped with the enemy like almost the whole time. You have this ever present fear that is always kind of there. You keep killing this guy and he keeps coming back to life, and you know and, and not really including like Max said the last part, which kind of kind of loses some of itself in the last part. That first like two thirds of the game, you know, you're constantly feeling like there's this so ever good. present threat always there. Um, where in this game, it it feels more structured like an adventure game. You know, there's hubs, there's there's times when it's kind of open world and you can explore where you want. Um, there's uh, there's like the, you know this nice jovial vendor character that soup kind of seems like your bro for most of the he's game. He's just you know, a video like, game man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really is. Like, I have some very interesting theories about who that dude is because um, he, he drops a couple like little hints that are kind of interesting. But that being said, I, I felt like, like there was there was times in this game when I wasn't scared at all, and I was just having a good time exploring. Not like I'm trapped and need to find as many items as I can because I'm going to die. Just more like, hey, let's like, oh, cool, this is for this puzzle, and let's go up here, and then oh, here's a scary part. Okay, dealt with that. All right, let's keep exploring and keep doing the thing and enjoying the environments. It was a, it was a different experience. I do think it would feel just like Max said, a lot different in VR. It drives me crazy that they released this game on PC without VR support. Because one thing I and one thing that still bugs me to this day is they released RE7 on PC without VR support because it would have yeah. looked so good on a PC with VR. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I've heard there was a pretty a pretty big backlash from people saying you really should have made this vr so i'm hoping that we see future resident evils kind of take more advantage of that especially if they keep planning uh synchronous releases on pc and console and, and by I'm, that time hopefully we'll have ps4's next gen new, so, new well we also have like yeah new vr you know which is which we also just got some like leaks about the the kind of sad thing is is that it it feels like that new vr thing might be right on the horizon like the crazy new playstation vr and this came out like a little too early. Like it just didn't line up with the marketing efforts, if not release scheduling of Capcom, if not Sony, but RE7 did. And the, the funny thing about RE7 is that it really seemed like that game was actually designed with VR in mind. Like the 100%. whole game was made for it. But weirdly enough, um, based on some infamous leaks that happened over the past <laughs> few, uh, over the past like year with, with Capcom, um, learned a lot about some of the financial uh, efforts and initiatives that they had. Uh, RE7 being a first-person game seems like it was a VR effort, but it wasn't. Like the VR made ad added to the experience was because of just an extra budget from Sony that like, hey, let's make this our big VR game, make a VR mode out of it. Um, and Right now, why doesn't this have VR? Because no one was going to give Capcom the budget to turn it into a VR game. Because it just didn't line up with any other any other efforts. Sony was not ready to release their thing, so it just doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, weirdly sense. enough, RE4 is about to get it on a <laughs> yeah. completely 
Like, it's the weirdest situation where it's like, this game should have the VR, but you're remaking RE4 for VR? Like, well, they got the money from elsewhere, right? Like, exactly and what that's, you just said. And, that, yeah. and, that's the, and that's the gimmick, is that, oh, they got the budget. The budget was provided from somewhere else this time. Like, before it was Sony because they had their new VR experience, so RE7 seemed perfect for it because it was first person. The stars kind of aligned there. But while it seemed that, oh, yeah, RE is first person because of VR... I don't, it, I don't think it is. I think it's just, that's just the way Capcom was approaching this stuff. And uh, if, if RE7 and RE going forward was designed for VR, this would have been VR 100%. And it's not. Yeah. So that, and that bugs me because like RE7 VR is like a transformative, still probably one of the best VR games there is. So how the, the hell did they not, like, like how the, bugs me. It bugs me hard. It's like one of my biggest nitpicks of the game is that there's no VR. What's kind of wild to think about is, you know, it, it obviously Sony could have had a, a better VR system out by now. I wonder if they're purposefully delaying their VR experience specifically because of the console shortage and what we were talking about earlier. I wonder if they want to make sure that the VR hype, when it actually actually does release, is in an environment where everyone that has a PS5 has the ability to buy one. That's a really, I wonder if that's, yeah, that's a good That's a good guess. Because there is the next gen VR coming out. I mean that that stuff was talked about in this past week. So you might be right about that, Co. Sony's all about making oh, me go back and play their old games, right? So why not play it in a new way uh, with the brand new PSVR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little a little bit of infamous Capcom double dipping. Yeah, that would... it'd be nice to go through RE8 in like new PlayStation VR. That'd be cool, but it's not the first run. You know, true. true. The, the, You'll the know everything. Ninety yeah. percent that experience is turning a corner and having no idea what's around it. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring back the guy from the RE7 DLC in a special oh, VR. Like the Joe DLC? Oh, man. <laughs> they're going to oh, probably man, do DLC for this, right? So there's there's probably some. the controllers are the actual fists? <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so sick. Oh, my God. I'd be all over that. I would be all over that. <laughs> um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think the marketing for this game is an interesting talking point, only because I feel like the internet latched on to uh, the 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 tall you know you know the memes you know what i'm talking about uh, one part of the game <laughs> yeah yeah the 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 internet latched onto that right so how how much do you think like was was that was their entire marketing approach shifted in real time as soon as that happened because 1000% in a lot of ways that's like the first 10% of the game <laughs> like, it's not even the 1000% yeah and it was a good call yeah honestly it was it was a good idea for them to shift all of their uh possibly international marketing efforts around that part of the game because it just captivated the internet by storm suddenly yeah it was and even interesting the dev said an interview that they were like we had no idea (laughs) like they 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 said we had no idea people would get this attached to this character yeah yeah it it was uh, I remember seeing legit anger in a in a Reddit post, like a dude complaining about a refund or wanting a refund because he he killed her so early and it's just like uh wow. Okay. All right, dude. I didn't see that, but <laughs> sure. I guess that makes sense. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, I gotta close the the VOD again here as we're approaching more spoiler stuff. Um I'm trying to think in terms of anything else uh resident evil 8 like obviously i think everyone both of you will agree that people should go out and play it right like it's it's worthy of the the purchase oh, yeah. it's, it's worthy of it's the, a great first resident evil 2 
Like if you, I'm sorry, it's a good, it's a great first Resident <laughs> Evil as well. Right. Uh, if you wanted us to try out like a Resident Evil and you have never seen any of them, uh, there's not there. There's an attachment and clearly story related to RE7. It's a continuation of RE7 story. The game does its best to get you in there, but I mean, really, it, it sets up its characters and it sets up its story just fine within the world it's making in RE8. Uh, and there's so much variety, like so many so many points they 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 answer so many questions from the previous game where not enough enemy types right there is uh too many japanese players actually complained about it being too scary so they 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 they, they moved the scares to different areas and segmented them really specifically and went more for tension for a lot of the game right but didn't also eliminate the scares uh so i don't know like so many times when i was playing this game and things were happening around my character if not happening to you i'm just like I would just scream Disneyland or Universal Studios. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm on a ride, man. Like, and that's probably one of the best ways to describe this game is that you feel like you're going through a uh, haunted house, like haunted mansion, haunted maze, like one after the next, after the next, after the next. It feels like you're taken on a theme park kind of experience of just like horror, horror shit in different ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and not only that, when talking about the value they have an entire mercenary mode that comes back in. It's How actually pretty fun. There's, it's good. I, I played uh, most of the first maps. Had a good time with it. It was cool. I know some people that have done the, the trip double S'ing and getting the lightsaber and stuff, which is kind of fun. Um, there's also a new difficulty that unlocks after the game. If you didn't get the DLC, I think it unlocks first if you get the DLC. But the new difficulty, Village of Shadows, they don't mess around in that difficulty. Like, they actually change around, like, what when enemies uh, uh, get to the player and, like, you know, when they spawn on the maps and stuff. And it is significantly more difficult even if you start with the inventory um from the end of your last game so it's there's, meant there's a lot of stuff there for people that want to keep playing yeah it feels like it feels like it's meant to be like your new game plus like hardcore has mm-hmm. some like past one part at the beginning in hardcore which is like everyone's talked about it like there's 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 one sequence in the first 10 percent of hardcore that is just like yo okay is the whole game gonna be like this and then no like the rest of the game is like a to me hardcore feels like a perfect difficulty once you get through like the later 80, 90% of the game, it's like perfect. Yeah. So, um, but that Village of Shadows difficulty is the equivalent of a madhouse in RE7. They change stuff. Like we're just, we're going to, like in RE7, they change where traps are. They change where items are. Like you just don't get things in the same order anymore. So it, it can feel like, oh God, like which game am I playing now? And if even if you have upgraded items, it's like, it, it most likely is like the perfect new game plus situation is to try out Village of Shadows after. Um, I, I will say one thing that, uh, that one of the biggest takeaways that I've watched people play through five or six times now is I felt like it was the biggest evolution that I've seen in the idea of a jump scare in media in like, I don't know, 20 years. It was a delayed jump scare that happens, uh, in one particular part early in the game. And I've never seen that happen in a video game. And it made me more fearful of horror games that I've ever been because the developers are learning and it's fucked up <laughs> what they're doing. Wait, so, wait, so there, there's a couple of good ones. Is it is it the one that the, involves you? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, how do I? Uh... Does it involve a window? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. I, I went, ah! oh, that was awesome. <laughs> like, it scared the shit out of me and I was like, oh, that was great. It's yeah, good so stuff. interesting <laughs> to watch people react to it because... It doesn't lock you in in terms of movement, right? And so you either see it 
or you move and you just hear blah and you're like, oh, well, yep. that was weird. What was that? And yep. I've seen people, the- one, react to it in real time, be like, oh, my God, that's fucking terrifying. Or I've seen people just hear and be like, well, that was fucking stupid. And so and the best <laughs> it's part crazy. Is if it's a part I'm thinking of, there's stuff there to like draw you in. Yes. So it's like yes. so you're, you you're looking at focused, one thing. You become focused on the stuff and then it hits you and it's like. Yep. Oh yeah, that was I, the, oh, that's yeah. probably the that I think that's actually the happiest jump scare, right? Because most of the time, jump scares are just like, oh, oh, you piece of shit, you got me. Yeah, and this one, I I got jump scared and I started laughing because of how effective that was. I was like, that was really good. <laughs> like they really got me. It's the first time I've seen a, a horror game developer like evolve the jump scare, and I was immediately like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> they're getting smarter they're having fun with this stuff now <laughs> yeah yeah they're they're learning right uh and that was a little bit uh a little bit scary um i, I guess before we move on completely flaws uh, any any like glaringly wrong things with this game for you guys anything that just like you know i think is uh reprehensible hmm inventory um, system I- so weird with the space and the clicking and the shift and like I, I, it could have been so much easier and you left click for the menu set of right click like oh my lord oh. there were so many times i misclicked in the inventory it was very strange not a deal breaker of course but it was weird and the fov I slider think, not being there i i describe it as um janky Definitely. resident evil mechanics as being the fear so the fear in resident evil is like tank controls in old games like why why doesn't my control my character control like normal no that's the fear <laughs> you you can you control like a tank because it's scary. Yeah. You're like, well, why don't I mean my character? This is a locked camera angle. My character can see what's in front of it, but I can't. So if I run, if I turn the corner that I'm blindly turning, I just get grabbed. That sucks. That's the fear. Um, and this game definitely has the fear. It's the it's the uh, the POV. Um, the how tight the camera is on everything, dude. It is so like. Like you're looking through this little window, it feels like. And to me, it the the fear part of it actually made that opening sequence pretty dang nauseating for me, especially on hardcore when you have to do it like several times and you're looking around and zipping and trying to just like gather the situation. Yeah. Um, I was having so much more fun with the game on day two on the PC version, and an FOV patch came out, and I just brought that shit out 15%. Oh, I like I could breathe now. Like it was well, so much easier on my eyes. Was it a patch or was it a mod? No, it's a mod. Oh, okay. I started it's to say, a mod yeah. that it's a mod that allows a you to adjust mod. the FOV, yeah. and it also gets rid of the. This game has an extreme vignette around the edge that really like brings it to a center visual, and it's so it's ridiculously dark, and you can actually make a slider for the vignette, and it makes it to me makes the game just look better. <laughs> it's weird, like the POV just makes the game actually. A wider POV makes the game look better, and the vignette allows you to see more details. So, yeah. M- once again, mods like saving some parts of games for me. Yeah, if you played on the console, you're just kind of fucked. I saw it. You're uh, just screwed. I yeah. watched a PS5 playthrough of it, and like having watched the PC playthrough first, it was like, what the like? How this is not the same game. This is awful to look at in a lot of ways. Uh, Co, did you use the FOV mod, or or did you play it vanilla? I didn't. Okay. I was a, I was a little paranoid because sometimes those can like cause weird issues with with cutscenes sure. and stuff like that. Thankfully, the the FOV sucked, <clears throat> but I have definitely played worse locked FOV. 
Uh, yeah. There's sometimes FOV where I'll get like a little bit of a headache or motion sickness or something like that. And, it, and it's not that bad, but it's strange to me that they didn't give options for FOV, especially in this day and age. Like it, it was very weird um, that they didn't give options for that. I was a little disappointed. Kind of a step did, back in a lot of ways. Yeah. Did RE7 have <gasps> FOV options? I don't remember. I, in, I can't, I, I didn't play a lot of the PC version. I actually sure. played console because of obviously, you know, VR. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not even too sure if the previous game did. They, they it might. Did, have. It did. Yeah, yeah, Chad is saying it did. How weird is that shit? Well, they probably right? included that in terms of like people getting sick from VR, and so they wanted the option in case it's better for other people. You know, one way or the other, Maybe. right? Um, but also, just add a fucking FOV thing, right? Like the modders did it in a day. Put it in the game. <laughs> it's it's not. <laughs> yeah, they should have. They should have done that. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, I, I think that's RE8. Uh, we'll save the the end game, the the ending discussion. Uh, I guess give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Co Max, ending, good, bad. Where where did you sit on it? Okay, Max with the the bug eyed thumbs up. Oh, dude, uh, yeah, yeah. big time. Okay. Yeah, the, I think it's some of. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I think it's one of Resident Evil's best stories. Dang. Okay. All right. Strong words for me. Uh. Make sure to watch after the credits. There you go. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, that is RE8 in a nutshell. Uh, we might discuss some more next week uh, as well, because I think uh, Dan S. Gaming is going to be coming on the show. I know he's a huge RE fan as well. Uh, last but not least, in the final here, 10 minutes, I do want to throw some some Guilty Gear uh, conversation in. Uh Max, this weekend is a, you got to help me out, open beta, right? Is this the final beta uh, before? I'm pretty sure this one is going to be open as well. Okay. Uh, this is going to be largely a stress test because the previous Guilty Gear beta ran into some issues. They servers had to go down because too many people were playing. Um, oh. long, story, long story short, like more people were playing the Guilty Gear beta of the previous you know, a couple months ago than have like ever played Guilty Gear at one single time ever. Dang. Uh, the, the awareness of this game is, is at a much greater height than ever. And there was a lot of weird technical issues. That's definitely a, a much older Guilty Gear. Oh. That's, that's the previous one. Let's uh, just see if people find out. that's Exard uh, Strive Strive is the new one oh oh, okay this was in a video of yours entitled is Guilty Gear Strive too simple but you got footage of the old one that's why I pulled it up yeah yeah sorry I'll I'll find actual um, footage but there was a lot of weird small issues like there was no rematching and that was kind of cumbersome the lobby system still generally sucks like the way the way they made their lobbies is kind of weird and contrived and looks bad and functionally was bad so this beta was for the fact that so many people complained about the lobby system and how people actually play against each other. But, but it's complemented with the fact that Guilty Gear Strive possibly has some of the best net play of a fighting game ever. And uh, that is an extreme optimization of rollback netcode and people in-house that they have that worked on previous games that have a fantastic online infrastructure like Killer Instinct. Uh, there's actually ex-Killer Instinct devs that are working on Guilty Gear now. So they've had a lot of expertise to make this happen. And it's funny because this is their first attempt at doing rollback netcode. The whole point of rollback netcode is no matter how far away somebody is in the world, 
There's no input delay. There's no uh, extreme input delay. And with delay-based netcode, you can be fighting some dude all of a sudden in, in Europe and you're in California and you're like, oh my God, uh, I'm pressing buttons and they come out like half a second to a second later. This is absolutely awful. I'm just predicting what I have to do instead of actually fighting somebody. With rollback netcode, you don't have to worry about that. It sets the delay to like a finite amount, like maybe two or three frames. It makes the game completely playable across the world. And of all the matches I played, I played like possibly 250 matches in the previous beta. I think less than 10 were really stuttery or bad. And I was playing people in Japan, in Europe, in Australia. Um, it's incredible. It's, it's so good. Uh, so, any questions so far? <laughs> just, just real quick, just so I understand this. The way they got around the delay was to basically like give everyone a micro delay? Um, yes. So, in, in, so the way rollback netcode works, it's a predictionary system. Um, you're not going to have perfect ping with everyone constantly. And the, the gimmick of rollback netcode is that it's going to predict what you were doing next if, if it did not get that proper uh, that input, if there was like a hitch or something like that. And how do they do that? It looks at the last input that came through, and it's like, okay, they were holding forward. The game is going to presume they kept holding forward, right? For if, if we missed 1 60th of a second, right? Or maybe two frames. So we're just going to predict they hold forward. Um, if they didn't, we're going to roll back the animation that they actually jumped. So we're going to go back like a frame or two, and they jumped instead. So you see them jump. The, the gimmick with that, that inherent delay is that that's a buffer window. The two frame, two to three frames of input delay that is just caked into the entire online experience for like everything is like a buffer that it can use to roll back in case something else didn't, something else happened instead. It's, it's a system that is, is odd and weird. Even the modern Call of Duties, like Modern Warfare, does use rollback netcode in many ways, but this is a different like peer to peer system. And Guilty Gear is the first time. Uh, this developer is actually utilizing it. So all it really boils down to is it allows players to play your fighting game from across the world and only get a certain amount of delay, and it's a very minor amount. It makes the game completely playable, um, no matter how far someone is. And any other fighting game that doesn't utilize a a rollback netcode kind of system is called delay-based, and that delay, the worse the connection gets, gets higher and higher and higher to like, oh my god, 10 to 15 frames of delay this is the issue that games like Dragon Ball Fighters have, um, that some other big anime fighting games have this problem, where you have to play somebody close to you, and if you don't play somebody close to me, close to you, you're just going to suffer. It's, all, it's yeah. just going to suck. It's always been a hurdle for me, right? Like, because I've always wanted to jump in and like learn how to play a fighting game, but I am a streamer, which means I don't go outside or have friends around me. Sure. <laughs> so I just can't learn and, online because I just so, get and, and I, I crazy, get frustrated with lag, right? So exactly. It is. It's frustrating. It's one of the things that truly drives me insane when it when it comes to my, my favorite genre games it drives me insane. What drives what makes it drive me insane is that th- this solution has existed for like almost 15 years. Right. And developers just through stubbornness, through lack of even understanding of where their player base is and who's playing their game has never implemented it. So Arc System Works, this being the first game to do it and how well they do it is such is such a profounding experience that everyone's response to the previous beta was this huge resounding holy shit this is amazing i'm playing anybody uh, yeah and it's running so good and why is that important for your fighting game to just be able to play anyone across the world it gives you more chances to go online and not get your 
ass beat. That's why I'm excited and, for it. <laughs> and that's that's the matchmaking thing that makes rollback netcode so important. The more people you can play with, the better a chance you have of getting somebody that is maybe around your skill level. However, if you play a game where you are siphoned to just people that are local, if not in your region, there you're effectively lessening the chance and the player pool that you're being exposed to. And you're just going to run into people that have been playing this game for six years or something like that, and you're just going to get blown out, right? So it widens the player pool enough where a lot of people were having a great time because in Guilty Gear, they're doing their best to get the players at appropriate skill levels fighting each other. The worst feeling in a fighting game is absolutely getting blown out and you just have like no idea what's going on or what the hell just happened. Or, in my opinion, a worse feeling in a fighting game um, is blowing somebody out and feeling like I'm getting nothing out of it. The greatest time is having a good game. The greatest time is a close match with somebody you feel like that is right around your skill level. And that's what they're trying to tackle with Guilty Gear Strive and their rollback netcode. And it worked out pretty dang good in the previous beta. Yeah, that's why I'm, Max, I'm excited Max, to jump my in, My moon is already full. This is the second game you've convinced me to play. <laughs> I don't have time for this shit. Look at it though. Go. It looks so good. Go. It's crazy. Dude, this is like the Persona Five UI of fighting games. Like it, look, it's, it, it's so freaking stylish. If you want to jump like, in, that's the best part. If you want to jump in, Co. At all this weekend, we both are awful at fighting games. You guys playing each other I would, would love be... to fight you in a fighting game. We could put I... subs on the line. We could get Betty with it. I will fight you in this game. How I much practice? What, 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 what systems is it on? Is it on PC? PS Five. PS Five. PS Five. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm in PS4. You. It is it is yeah, cross play between both systems. Yeah, there will be throwing down. Yeah, and and the game very much is is designed for controller play. In fact, Guilty Gear, since its inception really? back in the late '90s, was always really good on controller. So I I was I mean, gonna plugging my controller in. That's how serious I am right now. <laughs> I was gonna use <laughs> a. Uh, we didn't talk about this, by the way. I fucking hate the the battery life of the PS5 controller, but that's a whole other conversation. It's fucking dog shit. But I understand why haptics and all that stuff battery draining, blah blah blah. So I, I have a I have a like combo obsidian or whatever uh, Max should I not use that and use a a uh, as someone who's not versed with a fight stick let's also throw that there's into a the, there's a chance you might want to try it there's a chance it might, might not, work. not work with Guilty Gear on PS5 ooh okay all right yeah there's a there's a weird compatibility thing with some arcade sticks where some work and some don't with Guilty Gear but there there's like a warning in the beta that your controller is not compatible um with the playstation 5 version of guilty gear so you might want to try it yeah but at the same time using a controller is just fine okay um what i use controller when we fight none of this none of this unfair advantage yes (laughs) but honestly it would probably be a detriment alternatively you can buy me a fight stick (laughs) dude they're fucking expensive you you're the one (laughs) just get him a 300 dollars fight stick jp come on (laughs) are fight sticks rare right now Uh, i don't even know if they're Uh, hard to get i don't think so no i don't think they're suffering from the uh, most most electronics go just go i'll link you the am i'm not buying you one i will link you the amazon fight stick uh or the amazon link to the one in the the, chat is saying the obsidian did work oh great okay you might you might you might get lucky on that one cool there you go um yeah so like fighting game scene wise with the net code being the the thing that like gets people into this is there a potential for this to just like skyrocket in terms of like player base two sites unseen for like a normal potential at like an anime fighting game yeah and that that's a good point it's like anime fighting games outside of huge franchises like dragon ball you know um 
these games only usually appeal towards a certain audience, and that's like it. Funny story, and I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible. Guilty okay. Gear X-Hard was coming out back in 2013, 2014. Yeah. And it was revolutionizing the way graphics look in fighting games between like, oh, we're going to go for an anime 2D look, but it's actually 3D. Look at what we're doing with rendering and shading. And it was incredible looking. Game was super fun and felt amazing. Um, long story short, Guilty Gear X-Hard came out. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> Game came out and it sold like 90,000 units in the US. Jeez. So it, it, it didn't perform extremely poorly overseas but it's pretty clear that a lot of these games require a international audience to sell um, a lot of copies and since guilty gear was a game that was original right long long running franchise that's been around since like the late 90s but has only appealed towards a certain group um mm-hmm. however everyone became hyper aware of arc system works and guilty gear a few years back when a little game came out called dragon ball fighters and suddenly it looked better than the show and suddenly it plays crazy and amazing. And somehow visuals are on this next level. And everyone learned about Arc System Works. So most of the games that have come out from Arc System Works that look, have this visual style, uh, were put on the map. And now this game, with its net play currently, and the fact that it's you know trying to simplify Guilty Gear, but also have a lot of crazy mechanics, still being a nutty game, as you can tell, it's still a pretty crazy game. Yeah. Um, is doing its best so that people can jump in and play it. That's at the detest of a, a big amount of Guilty Gear fans, though, that are really kind of upset with the way that characters seemingly do a lot less, even though some systems are designed still to allow you for a lot of stuff. And even the devs have admitted that they're going through some changes from the previous beta to the launch of the game. We still don't know how it's going to work. But it's appealing towards an audience that is so much bigger. Than has ever played Guilty Gear before. Like so many more people are aware of these games when we've been playing them. I started playing Guilty Gear uh, when it was X on the Dreamcast back in like 2001, and it that was the same thing. It was set set a standard, a definition of how crazy sprite artwork can look in fighting games. Yeah, and they've yeah. come so far since then, um, and have done some huge games that I, I'm so happy for these guys because they've gone through so much and they've been doing this stuff for so many years, like over two decades now. And now people are really starting to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, is there story mode too? Oh, yeah. Well, there, there is story. Uh, <laughs> there the story is of the series weird as fuck? <laughs> oh, oh, there's a the, the story, story mode. mode is is a story and it has the characters, but there isn't a lot of gameplay. In fact, most of okay. the gameplay is just pressing X to go to the next scene. Ah. Yeah. That, that was the story for the previous games. You could play arcade oh. modes and get like a unique story thing, but yes, the story mode in Guilty Gear in the in the previous titles in Guilty Gear Xard, even when they had an expansion, it's more like a visual novel. I, I had Chad give me somewhat of a run. Aren't you playing the president right now? <laughs> this guy. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, that's not the president. <laughs> there, there. I think that's technically Chip. Chad will have to. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yes, there is there is characters in the Guilty Gear lore that are like directly associated yeah. with Chip you know. is the meth addict who became the president. Dude, I, okay, there we go. I'm digging uh, Sword Girl's aesthetic here. My lord, dude. She's apparently the most popular character. Uh, she was the most popular character. She was also very easy to play in the previous beta and did a. She was just very good and very easy to use and very effective. So yeah. there was a lot of people playing her. Yeah. Did uh, did P- Potemkin? The guy, the, the guy that everyone was complaining about, did he get nerfed? Is, is that yes? Been, well, okay. Potemkin got toned down quite a bit. His jabs were <laughs> ridiculously fast and huge, and 
Uh, he, he, I think he still is doing a lot of damage. It's kind of hard to say because we just have like a small location test in Japan to go off of. But gotcha. um, some things are being adjusted. So we really haven't seen it yet. It it's kind of seems like they're they're kind of limiting the stuff you can do. But we're kind of hoping that maybe it actually opens up for more things that you can do instead of just taking options away from characters, which is what I hate. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I've been very excited to... I, I'm every fighting game I say like, all right, this is the one I'm actually going to put in my time and like learn how to play a fighting game. And then I go online. I do exactly what you said. People experience where I just get my ass beat and I'm like, oh, people are still very good at fighting games. This sucks. Yeah. I don't have anyone that I can like learn with or train with. Uh, so I'm done. I'll move on to the next one and hope it's better. Hopefully the I next try to encourage. I try to encourage people that are like, what, what is the best time to get into a fighting game? And realistically, it's like, you, you kind of generally say now, like if you want to get into a fighting game, just get into it now because it's going to be better now than it is later. Yeah. But in re in, in like a super rooted reality, the best time to play a fighting game is when it is new, when it is technically it's most expensive, which is funny. Like you, you could wait a year and get the ultimate version and all the characters and like stuff like that. And it'll be cheaper. But realistically, when a fighting game is new in that first month, there are so many people to play with. There are like an MMO. exponentially. Yeah more chances of you getting those matches that are going to be fun to play with when people are still learning the game and figuring it out with you. Yeah. So cool. we'll see. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. Hopefully uh, I, I will mention to chat. It is uh, open beta on PS4 and PS5. So if you are interested in playing anything you're seeing on screen, if you want to play a soul bad guy, you can do that. You can play a soul bad guy. I think that's who Max is playing right here, right? It is. Yeah. Okay. Are you, are you a bad guy main? I am actually a uh, a Leo main. He oh. is pop pop by popular um, regard the most unga bunga gorilla character in fighting game history. He he is like a spinning gorilla that just screams and roars and goes in. And uh, Guilty Gear is a, a game series that has always been very encouraging of extremely offensive play. Oh. So uh, oh, yeah, Leo, Leo is like the epitome of that. Guilt Guilty Gear is a game that is so offensive focused that if you defend too much or run away, uh, a mechanic called negative penalty engages and it removes all of your meter. If you don't fight oh, wow. each other, we're going to take away your meter. <laughs> the like crowd it. is so displeased. <laughs> yes, like you, the, 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 the fighting game gods are displeased. You are running away and being too defensive. We're going to take something away from you. So the Guilty Gear is a game that really forces engagement. It forces you to um, get in and start fighting. Cool. God, I, I forgot. I didn't play Zerd, but I definitely was aware of Zerd's graphics and the fact that they've obviously continued that into stuff like this sure. that we're seeing here on the screen. Very Biggest cool. detriment of Xard, it's online. It was, the, it was, the, oh, it was yeah. the hardest part to come to an acceptance of. It's, it's the most disappointing thing being a fighting game fan when, you, when a game is that cool, when a game is that much fun. And you want to uh, rip your face off playing it online. <laughs> All right. Well, there's no ripping of faces in this one online, right? They on this it. one. Okay. Definitely it. not. Cool. Cool. All right. That's it. We got to call it a show because we're already over. Uh, let's do some shout outs. Zeke, would you like to do some shout outs? Sure. <laughs> Poor Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right, man. No, I knew like uh, uh, when we scheduled Maximilian to come on the show. That uh, his and my like game genres like not don't really coincide like we don't have a, a big uh, intersection in our Venn diagram so I, I figured is like this would be a show where I would 
listen, be entertained, uh, be more uh, more of an audience member than a than a participant. So thanks for being on, Max. Did you like? Uh, my brain was hurting at times trying to keep <laughs> Thank up. Thank you for having what, me. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cushion man. all the brain damage with some gift subs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to check me out, uh, I am on uh, every day at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, tomorrow I will be starting, restarting actually, uh, my uh, Demon Souls. I've got got the PS5 finally, and now I'm going to check out Demon Souls. Um, still, like, see if it holds up as my my favorite Souls game just because of the impact it had on me. So that's what we're starting up tomorrow. Uh, I had a poll out there on Twitch, or excuse me, on Twitter about which uh, build, and it's really close between Pew Pew, Magic Master, and Heavy Armor Smashy Crush. So we'll see how that plays out. And then uh, after that, uh, we're checking out RE4 after we finish Demon Souls, and then after RE4, we're doing RE8. So we will be, uh, it's got a nice, Nice chock full schedule coming uh, into June or through through May into June. So that's all I got. Thank you. Cool. Cool. Do some shout outs. As always, a big thank you to JP and Zeke and a special thank you to Maximilian. Appreciate you taking the time. It was a, a huge amount of fun today. Lots of great conversation. And now I have two more games to play. Thank you all for watching. My name is Ko. Hi. Uh, we started Subnautica Below Zero today. Tomorrow is going to be more Subnautica Below Zero. And then the 1.0 patch comes out on Friday where we're going to get the ending release and everything. And it should be pretty uh, pretty awesome. So I hope you join us for it. We also got more stuff going on this weekend. And we have the cozy stream in the evenings continuing tonight at 6.30 p.m. ET where we're going to probably play some Hood, with some mods first, and then maybe into some Isaac. We'll see. But anyway, thank you guys so much for being here as always. And I will see you at 8 a.m. on my stream or next week here with Mr. Dan Estini. There you go. Max, do some shout outs. Yo, thank you, JP, so much for having me. And uh, Cohen Zeke, it's always a pleasure. Uh, my yearly visits here always end up in very interesting <laughs> conversations with you guys. And I cannot wait for June Apocalypse to watch uh, Drop Frames <laughs> takes on everything from E3. That'll be very fun. Um, so you guys should check that out too. But otherwise, I'm on Maximilian underscore dude on Twitch and uh, playing through a bit more of RE7 until. The madness of this week happens because at the end of this week, once again, Guilty Gear Strive, the beta is out, along with a beta of Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis. I'm very much looking forward to that, but usually you can find a lot of action games on my channel, much less uh, fighting games the majority of the time, classics, new ones alike. And if you get a chance, I would highly recommend if you're looking forward to playing a fighting game or wanting to get into one, Guilty Gear Strive is a very good entry point, and uh, the beta is free coming up this uh, this weekend, so... Check it out if you can. I think it's a wonderful entry point. Awesome stuff. I'll be doing just that this week. And uh, maybe fighting Co. I, I guess. Are we training? Wait, wait, when are we fighting Co? When is this going? I, we'll figure it out, man. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to say, we got to figure this out. Uh, up until then, I discovered a new game that, for me, satisfactory, which is probably the worst time to jump into that game because that game is just massive and crazy. But I'll be playing more of it today. Uh, and probably playing more of that through Thursday, uh, Friday evening, myself and Jesse Cox are going to be watching the Final Fantasy 14, uh, fan fest, which is going down. They're going to be doing two hours of reveals and whatnot. And then I think there's a bunch of like concerts and things happening. Uh, so we'll at least be checking some of that stuff out, uh, late into the night on Friday. I think most of that kicks off at, I want to say like 8 PM Pacific, uh, 11 PM Eastern. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll have more details on that on Twitter um but then it's most likely just uh guilty gear all weekend long as i'll be trying to learn that and and seeing if i'll stick around for the actual launch uh next month and then yeah kind of just 
trying along until we get to June uh, when every game comes out, it seems. Uh, we're, we're also already starting to plan our E3 coverage, so we'll have more details on that in the coming weeks. Um, we will be uh, restreaming and co-streaming as much as we can uh, throughout the E3 week, so look forward to that. For now, though, we're out. Uh, next week, we got Dan S. Gaming, also known as Dan's Gaming. Uh, we'll be kind of having him on, talking about whatever he's been playing, maybe some more Resident Evil conversation, and uh, we'll see what else he's been up to. For what now, though... His name was Sebastian, right? Wasn't it? Sasha, Dan Sebastian right? Gaming. Has he said what Sasha? it stands for? I, I think he always just said it's just S. It, it's like uh, he's like Q from uh, from the the Bond series, right? Star Wars. Yeah. Or yes, yeah, Star Wars. Yes. Also. Or, very... or Harry S. Truman, who didn't have a middle name. Is that real? Yeah. They just gave him a. a I didn't know that. The presidential facts. Zeke's got them all. We'll get more next week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks everyone so much for watching, Max. Thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll, we'll go just think about life and Returnals and and Greek gods and the loops and all that. Uh, and we'll have you back. What's coming out a year from now? What's going to be the big theory a year from now? What are we doing? God, what are we going to be talking about a year from now? I don't even know. I can't even like comprehend. The surprise release of FF7 Remake 2. Ah, oh. that's true. I think we'll be talking about Final Fantasy 16. Ooh, that awesome. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that'll be out. Good. Okay. We'll we'll definitely Good. have you on for that. Maybe even for Integrate as well, because that that trailer was kind of spoiling. Or Elden Ring. I didn't Ring. watch it. I don't want to know. Don't watch don't the trailer, Max. Don't watch I knew it. it. Super spoilery. Uh, I know it. I'm not watching it. Yeah, don't. Anyways, we're out of here. Thank you so much for watching Drop Frames. We'll see you next week, 1 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye.